This is Restless, and the timer starts now. Ladies and gentle minions, welcome back to Restless, your post-mortem on the Young, Restless, and Reformed. First episode being recorded in the post-row world. First episode being recorded post 150K downloads for this show. I am your host, Matt. I am joined by Pastor Michael. Michael, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. I feel uh, really good. This is exciting, right? I mean, this is a big milestone. Um, I want everybody to see, we are planning to release this video. And so I want everybody to see I'm wearing my nuance shirt. So I'm ready to nuance uh, various topics tonight. Uh, but it's a big night. Not only yep. is this the first, you know, pro- post 150K show, uh, it is also, which actually I don't think is technically right. Is that, <laughs> haven't we released some post 150K? This is the first explicitly post 150K show where we have uh, spoken uh, a lot about it, I guess. Uh, but it's, it's also going to be our most massive show yet. It is going to be massive. When I said the timer starts now, I was not joking. At that moment, I clicked a timer starting a timer set for 150 minutes. <laughs> Pastor oh, Michael, we have decided this is the concept <laughs> we're going with to celebrate 150,000 downloads. An yeah, idea I love that it. As the and we're giving away $150,000. I know. I wish. Um, yeah, we're not going to do that. If we can get a lot more of you to sign up for our Patreon account, we can maybe do that, but we we cannot do that right now. Pastor Michael, I'm here ready with a few kinds of iced tea because I'm here for you, my Baptist bros, and here to engage in a concept that will surely, by the end of this, degrade into puerile giggling, <laughs> laughter, who knows what could happen next. Do, do you think we can handle this? I don't know. I, I I don't know if it's going to be like our best material yet, right? Like where, as we just keep going on, sometimes when we record a long time, we just, we keep getting better. Uh, But also sometimes it it definitely uh, trails off and it's going to be getting pretty late. So um, I'm hoping it works out. Uh, I'm sitting here. I've just got some water and uh, I actually did. I don't know if I was just too optimistic, but I brought a donut for myself and because everybody loves uh, watching videos and listening to podcasts where somebody's eating a donut. <laughs> sorry, Shout sorry out to my to wife Glazers. who might have to listen to it. Shout out to Glazers. Yeah, uh, quick trip. That... It is a quick trip donut, actually. So, uh, and shout so out to quick trip. We, uh, yeah, we're we're gonna be doing this. Um, so yeah, the, I do think this episode is set up to either, as time goes on, age like fine wine, or like the juice you use for communion. That when it ages, it becomes the worst thing uh, possible. Actually, I was talking to a guy uh, from our church and when he was a kid and they um, he was helping the pastor as a child set up communion. They used juice because, you know, this was a he, he grew up a Methodist and they came and like they had run out of juice and everything, of course, was closed because this was so long ago it was Sunday. But the juice had begun to ferment. And so they put the juice in a blender and blended it. And then poured the communion, and the pastor told him he could never tell anyone. 
and they served it and the mom on the way home was like do you think there was something wrong with the communion juice today so anyway so either our episode is going to be like a great wine or it's going to be more like that by the end of this um we are that means we are taking a break from our normal restless summer which has been really fun so far it has and we have some good interviews coming up Man, we, we haven't released even half of what we've done, right? I mean, we've got a lot. We've got a lot uh, coming around the pike. We, we have a interview with our Lutheran friend um, where he's going to winsomely explain why Lutherans are not winsome. That's going to be great. <laughs> um, we also put him on the spot and made him play yay, uh, nay, uh, or nuance with the five points of Calvinism. Uh, I feel like... We're going to release that to everybody because that was just so fun. It was. We it also was a really good one. two interviews with some of the guys from the Davenant Institute. I don't know if I'm allowed to call them the Davenant dudes. I've been calling, I, I kind of call them the Davenant bros. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what Wait. I'm supposed to call them. I think that Davenant bros has been used in a derogatory way on Twitter oh. by some of their dejectors. And so I then also just used it myself, but Great. I mean it in all, you know, good love because we're having them on the show. Just like, just like when they were, uh, when they were first called Christians, right? Um, so we have um, Colin uh, Redimer, who is uh, helped found and is now the vi- vice president. He also teaches there. And then we are going to record this interview actually this week with Matt Hoskins. Um, he has, um, I don't know if it's a degree, but he has expertise in the early church and will be teaching a class on the Desert Fathers. And he is going to come tell us the five things you need to know about the desert fathers because as we continue to force everyone into the calvinist mold there's only five things you need to know about anything in the world so we look forward to that and of course the interview we recorded recently with cr wiley so another great interview this was this was a blast um all of these guys honestly it was it was great i mean i guess one of them we haven't done but i'm gonna speak uh with authority into the future I'm just going to speak it. I'm going to sow that seed Mm. and I think it's going to be really great. So, yeah. And I will say based on the texting conversation I have gotten to have setting up that interview, it is going to be great uh, because he's even decided if possible, he is going to create a word like Tulip for the five things to know about the desert fathers. So I think think it's going to be a really great time. So, but it wouldn't be a major restless milestone show if we didn't do convoluted giveaways that would ha- be hard for us to action down the road. <laughs> we we so, do this all the time. We do this. Hey, all we're the sorry. Time. We, if you've ever been a part of one of our giveaways and you haven't gotten something, reach out to us. Yep. Um, also, before we talk about this, I think we have had some people that have ordered a shirt on our on our website at one point that maybe never showed up um, because we just found out that one of our suppliers was not shipping things. And so if that was you and you're like, just still mad about it, but for some reason you're still listening to this podcast, we want to send you a shirt. Um, I've sent out some emails, but uh, you know, if that's ever happened to you, please reach out to us. And we want to try to make that right. um, As we just found out this little uh, hang up this past week. Um, and have uh, very uh, quickly sacked the supplier that we had and moved on to someone else. Yep. So I'm going to start by reading two reviews. So people have helped us. We're almost over 80 reviews. So thank you to everyone. So if you're listening to this right now, please review it. 
And um, so at this point of the show, most of the people that listen to our podcast are still listening to this. I think, I think as it goes on, we're probably going to lose some people. So as long as we have all of you, Hey, in the course of a month, we have something like a thousand people plus maybe with YouTube and others, even more than that, who are going to listen and download the show. Um, and we have less than a hundred reviews right now on uh, Apple podcast. So if you're listening to this, this is a great opportunity before you forget, uh, before you do anything else, you could stop right now. You could pull over to the side of the road if you're driving, um, unless it's, you know, really busy traffic, obviously be safe. But what, you know, if you're able to just go over, just hit that five star, write a little something about us. That's this right. is, this is just a huge help in kind of boosting, uh, the amount of people who then lay eyes on the show. And, and if you're like, dude, they're doing so much pre-talking before they get into topics. Dude, we are going to podcast for two and a half hours. Two, we got to do something. <laughs> what else are we going to do? <laughs> so so anyways, here are some of the things we're going to do just as a quick teaser for what's going to start in like 10 minutes. We are going to go for the Tim Keller bonus episode of the rise and fall of Mars Hill. We are going to go return to could we we may return to what may be Restless's worst take ever. We'll find out what Pastor Michael says. And then we have a slew of things, and we're just going to see how many of them we can get through in this time. But let me read two reviews. If you wrote this review, um, you I'll read I'll do one to start with, and then this is how I'll do it. I'm going to read one review that's fun, and you're going to win a book. You're going to win Rob's book because we're really enjoying giving that away. And the next review that we get, we will find, and for the next show, we will send you an additional book. And so just put, I will tell you after I read this review, what to include in your next review. So I know you're the first one. So here you go. The Wayne and Garth of the reformed world. They like to refer to themselves as the car talk of reformed podcasts, but they are clearly Wayne and pastor Garth. I'm not really (laughs) sure they will get this reference, but I'm sure they would love to have me on the show. Wicked gate. You have won a copy of Rob's book on Covenant Theology. Hey, party Esther on. Party Garth. on, Wayne. That's right. This is, I don't know how I like being the Garth. I, <laughs> I know that they're both kind of dumb, but, but that hurts. A, I'm not going to lie. That hurts a little bit. It hurts oh, a little a, bit for me. That, that's a great one. That is a great one. So, all right, here we go. Now I'm going to explain a really con, the convoluted ways you can win. All right. So the next 15 people who share this show on social media, obviously you have to tag us so we know. Yeah, we have to know. We have to know. Tag us, email us, do something. Yep. Or if you you can jump into this line if you join our Patreon, but either or the next 15 people who do one of those two things will be given a copy of the book we compiled, The Deacon of God, where we took all the Reformed confessions and what they had to say on the state. And we're going to give you one. Now, we know some of you who listened to our show early probably actually bought that when it came out. And we're thankful you did that. And so if you are one of the first 15 people to share the show or join Patreon and have already bought the Deacon of God, we are going to upgrade what we give you uh, to a gift that will be to be determined in in the future it, because it we will be an upgrade we just it, haven't figured it out yet because for example if all 15 people who do this um prove that they 
have all bought it. We have to take budget into consideration with yes. what we can upgrade everyone to. But we will upgrade it for everyone who does that. And so we're excited to do it. The next thing we're going to do is for the next 15 days, is it everybody? Everybody can get 15% off. Anybody who anybody who joins. Okay. Everyone. Yep. Anybody who Patreon, joins the Patreon. Everyone who's on our Patreon can get 15% off anything in the Restless store for the next 15 days. So even if so, even if you join right now today, you can join at the lowest level, right? Mm-hmm. This is the Mars Hill member. This is $2.99 uh month, right? Or no, it's three dollars a month. Uh so I mean that's nothing, right? Uh that that will be covered by this 15% of anything in the restless store. So if you've been looking to get something, this might be a way that you can both jump on the Patreon and get something from the store at the same time. That's right. And so that the final thing to say about the Patreon is this. Um, The topics we don't get to tonight from our huge slew of topics I have ready, we will be putting out on Patreon in the future so we will record for those and we will record them in the future are you seeing this nice oh yeah shirt there here? it is great there's a nice shirt so but that is not what i'm sharing my screen for i am sharing because everyone who is sick and tired of what we've been doing we are we are 14 minutes into this show and we are coming to our first topic which was have requested. We, we really already been going for 14 minutes oh yeah we'll wow see. that's pretty good so um, there are two reasons we're doing this. Uh, one, we had even a, a direct listener request, even as I posted, hey, if you want us to talk about something, let us know. We had multiple. So both, as soon as we posted this, just earlier today, we posted on Facebook and Twitter, what do you want us to talk about? The top and first comment on both of these was Rise and Fall of Mars Hill bonus episode with Tim Keller. And so here we are. Here we are. We are going to react to a number of clips. I have seven of them pulled up. I mean, there is obviously lots to talk about because this episode of this podcast that has decided it is no longer telling one story, uh, it is now, in my opinion, attempting to replace the Restless podcast as a podcast where you go to talk about things about the YRR. Cosper's a listener. Cosper, if you... Uh, go on our Patreon and join. You can also get 15% off of an item from the store. We know you listen. We know That's that right. you're listening to us. That's right. Um, and so, yeah, you, this was interesting. So I have not listened to the end of the show as we are continuing to react live, but I skipped in the line because part of it is we knew we were doing this big, long show. And this was a thing that would probably take a good amount of time. And two, I got a rumor that on the uh, PresbyCast Discord server, they said, I hope the, the uh, Restless podcast gives Tim Keller a, a fisking soon, but probably they won't. Um, <laughs> after I looked up the word fisking, I would like to recommend to whoever said that, and please post this to, the, to their Discord for us, uh, for that person to go look up our ep- episode, Tim Keller Watch and Twitter Politics. I believe... I don't know what we're going to do with this episode, but I believe that would be the textbook definition of a podcast fisking. So for everyone else, we are going to react to Tim Keller's interview with Mike Cosper. Man, I've got a lot of thoughts about this. 
I'm worried because I listened to this now whenever it came out. What was that a week ago or uh-huh. or something like that? And I haven't I wanted to try to listen to it quick before we were going to react again. Mm-hmm. Um, but I haven't had a chance to. We were on the road all day. I'm at my in-laws currently. Um, hence a really nice background. Our, you know, our patrons will know from patron hangouts that my my usual background is not this nice. Uh, it is an old farmhouse basement. So so this is quite an upgrade, which is great for uh 150 minute show. Yeah. But uh, so I'm, I'm very, you know, I'm excited to get into it. I'm glad you pulled a bunch of clips. Um, I do have some thoughts having listened to it, but I uh, would have liked to do a little bit more. I'm glad you're a little bit more fresh with it. Let me give, let me give one overall very positive thought that I actually kind of realized um, just in light of how the rise and fall of Mars Hill, um, how that show has kind of come down. We are, we are through our reactions through the the Bobby Knight episode, which was, um, we went on record. I, as I said, I thought was just the worst basically, um, episode that I've heard yet. Um, I actually think, so I think a lot of our listeners are going to think, and we probably will, that we're going to be pretty critical, um, that we're going to think that this was actually not a very interesting, not a very interesting in what could have been pressed in this interview. And, And we'll get to that. But I actually think if you are the um, if you are the targeted listener of the rise and fall of Mars Hill, Christianity Today, general evangelical, I actually think this probably was a really fascinating interview since they interviewed no one else like this. No one yeah. else even close to this spectrum. This, I, I imagine, came across very fresh to you. And I think Tim Keller realized he could say these very normal very especially for presbyterian polity very vanilla things and it actually be like a almost totally new perspective on the whole situation and so i actually after listening to it and being like well is this all they're going to say i actually had that realization while i was listening to it yeah yeah i want to start off as a good guy and say he's a good uh, guy like i do uh have a lot of respect for tim keller i think sometimes people I've had, since we do Tim Keller watch and things like that, um, I've had people like ask me, uh, wait, do you, do you like Tim Keller? (laughs) And and no, I really do. Um, I've very much benefited from Keller uh, over the years and uh, have tremendous respect for him and a lot of what he's done and accomplished for the kingdom of God. Um, I do want to make that clear. Um, But there are also things that we want to uh, bring out as a very, you know, important public figure within evangelicalism as a whole, but then particularly the young restless and reform movement, uh, we want to kind of hold some of these things up to a magnifying glass and actually look at them and whether or not they're uh, above board. And uh, I think this gave us plenty of opportunity to do that. Guys, and if we get around to it, we will go to another stately evangelical standby with a Rick Warren clip coming at you later. So there's, there's plenty of fun to be had in this episode. So um, we are going to skip where uh, the, so the first half of this, we almost get nothing with Driscoll. Now we explain where he first met is they were both funded by Spanish river. Now I have not listened to the bonus where they discuss the um, Spanish river church planting funding network. Um, but and and Keller talks about how Driscoll was kind of a you know this very strong leader that uh, was very was 
very prized and that he kind of wasn't the kind of leader they were looking for. But yeah, this was actually interesting because um, in the Spanish River episode, and this is particularly interesting as somebody who's in the PCA. And so um, these are, you know, big names within the PCA particularly. Uh, but with the Spanish River episode, you know, it comes across very much as like, here's this, you know, uh, the differences between Spanish River, and I'm sorry, but I can't remember the gentleman's name who was the pastor there, um, and Mark Driscoll. And it was very much like, actually, you know, the Acts 29, all these guys, they actually set it up much better than Driscoll. And Driscoll just, you know, he had these problems for various reasons um, without the accountability. What was interesting was bringing Keller's voice into this now. And all of a sudden you have a third take on it. And Keller is somebody who's in that world, but also feels like I'm actually not as much in that world because somebody like a Driscoll is going to be the big shot here. Whereas because of his particular uh, more professorial uh, kind of uh, temperament, he did not maybe come across in the same way. He wasn't that big, bold, kind of brash leader that the guys that he felt of this church planning network were really looking for. Mm. And um, so that was just interesting to put those two side by side. Uh, it actually, it, it just adds a lot of, uh, dare I say, nuance, nuance to uh, the whole of the, fir- the, the earlier show, the earlier episode. So let me um, start uh, this next clip. And this is a thing where Tim Keller is saying something that if you are a restless listener, you have heard us say things about accountability and the church and how that and how that works. So we'll listen to some of this clip. Um, we'll pause it and we'll we'll discuss it a little. Nope, it's not Pastor Michael. It's not coming through. Uh-oh. Um, it's it's possible that we had sound before because it was uh, coming through your mic, not through the actual recording. Again, well, guys, this took a little time off the clock. I'm sorry to waste everyone's. It now has a whole bunch of your like notes and stuff up there. I don't know if that's something Oops. that you want. <laughs> All of your uh, private notes, Matt's All private journal. Secret notes. <laughs> Matt's uh, private journal for the internet to see. Here we go. All right. Let's try this one more time. Syrian. And actually, Presbyterians, the Presbyterian churches can be big, but if you ever notice, there's not lots. I mean, you know, some people said, well, Sinclair Ferguson and Tim Keller are kind of the only. Presbyterian celebrities, and that might be true. I mean, right now, and if you're going to call celebrities, and that's usually because of books. But what made what you know what made me a quote unquote celebrity was my books, not this fact that I had a big church because lots of people have big churches. But we're more there's more accountability in a Presbyterian setting. So I'll just tell you a quick story, which is true. Um, one Presbytery in my denomination heard either rumors or also heard things I'd said online about creation, evolution, Adam and Eve, and stuff like that. In our denomination, I do believe... Pastor, Pastor Michael, what might have they heard? Um, so Tim Keller has, my understanding anyway, is that he has defended uh, theistic evolution. And I know that he's you know been pretty uh, close with the whole Biologos uh, project, um, which is uh, quickly 
descending. I don't know. It, it seems to be getting worse and worse. Uh, maybe starting off trying to say, Hey, we can be evangelical and theistic evolutionists and like very quickly saying, well, you don't need Adam and Eve. You don't need these other things too. So at least it seems like he has kept close company at very mm-hmm. least with those who have denied pretty core tenets of, of the creation doctrine. And, and what we are about to hear is, is, and I mean, and he's presenting it this way to his credit, a great advertisement for Presbyterianism. Yeah. Leave in a, there was an actual Adam and Eve, especially created by God, from whom we descend. There was either online chatter or things I said that made this presbytery feel like, I don't think he believes in a real Adam and Eve. I think he's a thoroughgoing evolutionist, and that wouldn't fit in with our confessional standards. And so five times they wrote my presbytery and asked them to examine me. And the reason my presbytery has to examine me on this if they didn't, then our denomination has a situation in which there's a standing judicial commission, and my my presbytery could actually say, because Tim Keller's presbytery has failed to act, we want you to assume original jurisdiction. See? Now, this is a very different world than the evangelical world, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And so I know that uh, every time they wrote, they said, please examine him by asking him this question. So. The Presbytery got me together. That means other elders, uh, Presbyteries, pastors, and and ruling elders from all the churches in our region. And they examined me and sent back my answers. And it was, it was fine. So they had another question. Uh, five times it happened. And they were, and, you know, they were trying to get at it. Uh, I, I would say the, the fourth or fifth time I was starting to say, come on, but I'm a Presbyterian. And um, mm-hmm. this, this is... Now you couldn't do that to Mark Driscoll. Mm-hmm. You couldn't do that to Bill Hyde. Yeah, there's no, there's no structure for there's it. There's no. Structure. So shout out to whatever Presbyterian did that five times. By the <laughs> way, what a bunch of just bone thug Presbyterians. Um, and not even because this is Tim Keller they're doing this with, but because they're doing it. Like, yeah. Hey, if you're pres, if you're a Presbyterian listener, like, hey, this is just what we, we, we all need to like. We all need to do that. And yeah, also good on Tim Keller because, you know, it'd be so easy if you were that guy, you know, who you're like, come on, like, you know, I've said my answers, I've done this. Um, I can think of many who today, um, you know, within Presbyterian was within Presbyterianism would be like, well, that's, this is the problem with our polity. You know, we need to make it harder for guys like this to do this kind of thing. And it's actually like, no, like, yeah, like, okay, it's maybe a little bit of a hassle. You have to go through like, you know, saying these things again, but hey, this is a great opportunity for you to make it clear that yes, you are in fact in line with our confessional standards. And this is what accountability looks like too. It's not Mm -hmm. always like pleasant. It's not always like, it's, it's going to be the kind of thing. Sometimes you're at, you know, the, the end of the barrel of the gun and you have to be okay with that. And you have to, you know, be willing to submit to your brethren in the Lord. And so, yeah, this is great. I love it. And I love that Keller is even like, you know, he could have a really bad attitude about it. And he's like, you know, maybe I kind of did. And and I would too, right? Like if it was the fourth or fifth time and I feel like I've answered, but the fact that he's willing to say, nonetheless, this is Presbyterianism. This is good, right? Like this is what accountability looks like. That's awesome. Dude, it's also like a low key, like guys, n- there's nothing, there's nothing there. You know, the, the PCA is so conservative. Nothing can be wrong. Cause I mean, they're questioning me on, uh, <laughs> on issues of creationism, but this is exactly what accountability, this is a great ad for Presbyterianism. And the only thing that can go wrong is these things not be done. That is, that is the risk. 
That is the call to action. So, all right. And so here's what I actually think is really interesting is he goes on from here to discuss the, the need and the difference between church affinity groups or networks and denominations. Yeah. Do you need both? Are they both good? Let's, let's listen to a little bit of his answer on this because it's very related. Work looking at evangelism and church growth and the different yes, right. phenomenon that were impacting all of this. And so there was this shift that said, hey, the denominational sort of church planting efforts don't seem as effective as affinity-based partnerships, you know, yeah. that, you know, a Methodist church and a Baptist church that are trying to reach the same town, you know, might have more in common than two Baptist churches or whatever. And so so they've facilitated the formation of a lot of different networks that were more loose, that weren't denominations, that didn't have these accountability structures. I'm curious, you you know, was that a mistake? Is that something that has that burned itself out? I mean, it seems like that's pretty strong still that you have, whether it's ARC or Acts 29 or City to City, you know, a lot of church planning seems to continue to sort of run through that network-based, loose accountability, yeah. high affinity kind of structure. So quick, quick pause here. Pastor Michael, is this a good question for Tim Keller? Um, I do think this is a, a good question um, because of the various affinity group planting that, that he's, he's involved in while also being a part of a denomination and like, you know, yep. how exactly do you do that? Now, before we deal with this being a good question uh, and continue, I have to stop us because this is uh, the time that uh, we're going to uh, promo something because it's been 15 minutes. <laughs> so, so it's been 15 minutes uh, since we last promoted anything. And so we're jumping to the store. I see you've got it pulled up over there. Um, so, we have so many things that are currently available for you to go and buy at the Restless store. So if you go to therestlesspodcast.com and you click on the store tab, there are all kinds of things. So right here, we've got a, you know, a canvas shopping bag. If you need reusable shopping bags, boom, we've got them. We've got t-shirts. We've got socks. You can get this nuanced shirt in the store. I love this thing, by the way. I really do. This is one of my favorite t-shirts. Um, and there's all kinds of others. There's a Mount Refmore that uh, Matt had up earlier. Um, there's just, there are so many options and we have uh, somebody working with us who does a great job. She's doing uh, awesome, just putting up lots of different kinds of designs. And, and so it's all done uh, in-house. The designing is done uh, in-house by somebody that we know and trust. And, and uh, so this is, it's been 15 minutes, go buy something. If you want to buy something every 15 minutes, that would be awesome. <laughs> but uh, for now, you know, go, go and check it out. If you haven't yet, this is a great opportunity to check out again, the restlesspodcast.com on the store tab. The restless store in this economy, you know, uh, but yeah, city to city is something that uh, was started out of Redeemer church. And obviously he's a member of the PCA. Obviously he is a founding member of the gospel coalition, another network. And so, yep. These are all things. So, so let's hear what he has to say. Yeah, I no, I I would. My answer there is mixed. Here, I mean, um, what I mean by that is, I do think that on the one hand, city to city, for example, you're right. City to city comes out of this. City to city would prefer, greatly prefer that the that the local church that we're trying to help get started is part of a denomination that they're in some kind of a, not just a loose network where there's no accountability, but a, a real 
ecclesial connection of some kind. That's Let me stop it there for two interesting things. Keller says city to city, which is an affinity thing that he probably still sits on the board of. We would, one, first word in there, prefer, we would prefer a church we're helping get started, so not require, Yep. and a denomination. Yeah, so just any. And so, you know, he does say that where there's, you know, accountability, so maybe he would even, you know, push that a little bit further and say, sure. well, there's there's some denominations that would be better even. Sure. But if sure. we allow for some, like if we're okay with them not being a part of the denomination at all, and then, you know, we would like to, uh, we would like the ones that are in a denomination. Obviously, we also would prefer the ones that are in the most accountable uh, kind of situation with a denomination. But, uh, but yeah, so obviously it's not a big enough priority that you would require it. Right, right. I mean, yeah, so it's, it is interesting. It is interesting. So, all right, let's keep going. So we would prefer. And yet, so here's the other side. And yet. You might say the denomination exclusive approach to church planting, where the denomination does absolutely everything. Well, I don't think this is helpful. It's, it's way better, for example, to take the Methodist and the Presbyterian and the charismatic. And it, it, here's, here's 10 people. They're all planting churches in the city. Bring them together. Train them together. Let them know each other. Let them knock the rough edges off of each other. Let them see how each person's denomination actually has got strengths and weaknesses, frankly. Inevitably. You cannot do without denominations, I don't believe. I'll just call them ecclesial connections, communions, real communions, not just loose networks. You really can't do without them. And yet every one of them have limitations. Every one of them has strengths and, and weaknesses. And so you just, and there's no way to avoid it by saying, I'm just like, we're going to be non-denominational, then you have your own problems. So what we would like to see is a way more collaboration, way more networking to get your church planning done. What That's really, really important in a city. And to work with others to, to reach the whole city, but you yourself have that ecclesial connection. There's a certain sense in which denominations give you your white corpuscles. You know what white corpuscles are? They, they, they fight infections. But you almost need... It, to be interdenominational and, you know, in order to get your red corpuscles. Denominations are best at accountability and keeping down, you know, heresy and infection, but they tend to be, frankly, mapping. In other words, uh, let me be, let me be way of simplifying. So Presbyterians have got doctrine and they've got deep exegesis and and the Baptists have got outreach and activation, you know, evangelism and the charismatics, and maybe the Anglicans have got worship. We've got, you know, and they've all got their own vitamin that is their specialty and that the other denominations actually just will never do as well. They we're all in catch up. And yet, unless you're really knowing one another really well, you're not going to be able to, you might say, learn from the other denominations and traditions so that you can you can create an, an oxygen-rich version of your own denomination. All right, Pastor Michael, I want to make one note before you react to this. Do you know what Driscoll used to say about different denominations? He used to say, you know what we have to love about the Methodists? Their method for living for holiness. We have to look at the charismatics to learn about worship and prayer. We look at the Presbyterians, you know, 
And he, he would pick out all these special things that we need to mix together for our church. And I'm wondering maybe where he learned to talk like that. But anyways, tell us what you think about this as a Presbyterian pastor yourself who has friends in town who are not Presbyterian pastors. And, and what, what do you think about this, this idea? Um, number one, I'm struck by just that, I mean, this is just ecclesial third wayism, right? Like this is just the, like, there's never the, the things that are out there, there's never a right answer. The right answer is my combining of these things, the good that I like from them. And um, the, I mean, the problem ultimately with this is that like, you know, what is the standard by which you are judging which pieces of these are the best? right? Well, ultimately that's going to come down to you, right? This is the same. If you have a problem with, you know, the non-denominational mindset, which he clearly does, well, that's exactly what you're doing. You're just saying we would, you know, we'd prefer if everybody had the non-denominational mindset just within, within a denomination, uh, which I think is, I don't think that's actually uh, completely possible. Um, Now, like you hear it too, that, you know, what is driving this? Um, should not, and maybe I'm just too Presbyterian. I don't know. Um, I, <laughs> I think that probably for most Presbyterians, I'm actually not that Presbyterian. That's what I think. I love Presbyterianism, um, I, but like I, I've, I love it as somebody who has like come into it, right? Like I, I love it as somebody who found it and uh, found within uh, the Westminster Confession of Faith, mm. uh, uh, you know, the clearest explanation of biblical doctrine. Right. So I like I came into it in this way and I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, But I get along really well with people who are not Presbyterian. Um, And I think part of that is probably because, you know, it's not like it's not like I grew up in this and it was like, this is the way to do everything. No, I like I understand that there are other ways to do it. I just think that this is the right one. (laughs) You know, I understand that there are other ways that God does use. I just think that, you know, this is the, the uh, closest expression to what we find in the scriptures, not always in practice, but in at least the confessional standards that we have. Um, is there room for growth? Probably. Um, but, but to think that like, I'm the guy, this is, I mean, this is just everyone today, right? Everyone today thinks, well, I'm the guy who knows why all of these godly men that have gone before me in my particular uh, denomination. I'm the guy that knows why each of them was wrong. I'm the guy that knows why these things have to be changed. And maybe that's maybe possible, right? Like confessions can air, right? That's in, that's in our confession. Uh, but, but like, I just think that you need to really slow down. You really need to humble yourself in a time of constant change of that which has come before to be the guy that says, well, I'm the guy that can pick and choose from all the different denominations and combine them into what is the best strategy. I think that's, um, that's a little bit frightening. I also don't think that charismatics are the best on worship. You know, Hey, our charismatic friends, like, I love you guys, but I think you're pretty wrong, actually, when it comes to worship. Um, and I'm pretty shocked that somebody who, uh, you know, is 
a reformed Presbyterian would think that, yeah, charismatics really have the worship down. Yeah. So let me say one thing about this, that I think that there are two things that we're confusing here. So there is, so there is a benefit to the people who are around me, the pastors in town, the Christians I interact with on a day-to-day basis, because that is possible that there are Christians who probably are in other churches, unless my church is quite large. They probably are more godly in these areas than me. There are Christians in town where I live that are more godly than me yes. in, in regards to these areas. Right. However, if you're a Dror Divino Presbyterian, like Pastor Michael has repped hardcore, it is not because of their doctrine. It is not because of their denomination. Right. Um, and so, right, the idea that we would like, that you would say things like, yeah, this other denomination has worship figured out. Well, then why aren't we that? Why aren't you this? Right. That is the, that's the actual um, issue of confusing these things of saying there are Christians around me I need and can learn from. Yes, of course. Nobody contests this. Nobody denies this. I don't deny this. But the idea that there is no, um, but that the idea of, of putting it on a doctrine level is a problem. And let me say one more thing on this, this community, this sharpening that can happen in your local context that he talks about as one of the benefits, one of the needs for these affinity groups. Here's what, here's what I have to say about that. That can happen in your church. It doesn't have to be from other pastors, right? Now, there is a kind of help that pastors can give you, and this is why, again, great ad for Presbyterianism, uh, that exists and uh, multiple elders, you know, but right when I teach, when I am given the opportunity as a licentiate to preach at our church, people in the church come, they, and, and, and right, they truly seek to benefit from what I'm preaching when I'm there or teaching in a class. But you know what? Normal people in the church, quote unquote, normal people, people who aren't pastors also try and give me helpful feedback. Shout out to someone in the church um, who she was involved in community theater. And she said, you know, feel the bottom of your feet and it will lower your voice and it will help your delivery. Just right. Like just one practical idea. Right. I've had people talk about all kinds. You know, my wife and I are blessed to talk to people all about raising children. Right. There are a million kinds of things we talk about in the context of the church. That I think largely serve this purpose, but. Pastor Michael, let me throw this to you. Here's the question. Affinity groups, networks, should we do them? Do we need them? Put your hot take on record before we move on from this clip. (laughs) Oh, man. Yay, nay, or nuance. Oh, (laughs) shoot. I should have known that you would uh, put me on a spot like this. Um, Oh, so... All of the benefits that we've just been talking about, which I've benefited from, by the way, I'm, you know, in everything that I said, I'm not saying that like, oh, it's bad to meet with people outside of Presbyterianism. If I thought that I would have zero friends, (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, I mean, it would be me and Matt and uh, the people of our church and that's it, you know. Um, Shout out so, to Michael's friends who <laughs> has at least up until this point. My friends out that's there. Right. <laughs> um, I, you know, like, and I've benefited from many from uh, different traditions, you know, asking them questions. I've, you know, I've used things in our service or in sermons or, or other places or, you know, um, that I've gotten from people in other denominations and, wow. uh, and traditions. And I've, you know, read many books that are recommended to me from other traditions. And I, like, I, you know, I benefit greatly from this. That is on a completely different level than planting churches. Mm. And that's where I think you have to draw the line. Um, so in that way, these like an affinity group by if by affinity group, you mean an extra ecclesial church planting group. That is hugely problematic to me because by, by its very definition, you don't have the accountability that you have within the rest of the church. And guess what? Sometimes, so one of the things they said is, you know, look, uh, the, these affinity groups like Acts 29 or whatever, they worked better, right? Like mm. they just worked yep. better. Oh, yeah. They did a better job. Well, in what way? Yep. What does that mean? Yep. They did a better job. What you mean by that is more numbers, right? That's all you right. mean. You mean there are more churches that were planted and more people that were going to those churches than you think could have been accomplished through the actual denominations, the actual ecclesial bodies. And yes. that, like that number one, I think it's an assumption. I know, like, I, I have no doubt that there are ways in which there's some red tape that you can get by uh, when you go around the denominations and just jump right in as these affinity groups. I've no yes. doubt, yes. but it does still seem like this is, this is a, a problem. You say, yep. now I'm not a church planter. Right. Yep. I'm, I'm yep. saying this is, I've, I've never planted a church, but I think what you're nailing is, is you're helping you've, you've sussed out. If I can use a, a, a word like fisk to describe what you've just done. <laughs> I, I, I don't think we should use this word. <laughs> how do you think, how do you think it's, is it? Oh, uh -oh, my timer's going off, but let's, let's keep going yep. on this. How is it? But you've, you've defined what is different about this than you reading books by Martin Luther or you reading books recommended to you by a, by a Baptist pastor or, you know, all of these things is, is none of those are an extra ecclesial structure. That is what is in question, not the Catholicity yep. of the church, not if the kingdom of God is bigger than your little, the question is, is this how Christ has instituted it? And we, yes. I realize we don't have this clip pulled up, so we're not going to make it to this one. But, but at the end of his interview, he talks about how one of the things that he saw go wrong at Mars Hill is as the church starts to grow, you have less power to just say, do this, do this, do this. And that was something he accepted, which good on Tim Keller for accepting that. And that he thinks Driscoll did not. But what I am saying with denominations, the same thing with denominations and these like, well, I can't just do whatever I want kinds of issues. That is a feature, right? The drawn out things don't just go my way. I don't get to do what is most expedient all the time. I'm confident is actually a feature and not a bug. Right. Yes. Jesus set 
right? Jesus set up the world so that there would be things in my way. Right. That's just how the world works. And here's the, you know, here's the reality um, that, again, I, I kind of mentioned this already, but there's, if you put all of this effort that you put into these affinity groups into your denomination, is it possible that you could at least, you know, approach some of the similar, uh, some similar results? I think it's at least possible. Yeah. I can't say that it for sure would happen. And maybe like you have examples of why it just couldn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, maybe you're right. I don't know. You know, even if you are right, I still have problems with it. But I don't, I don't think that's just like, a, yeah, obviously this can't happen within the bounds of your ecclesial body. Right. I don't think that that's necessarily true. That, and this is different than a lone church planter in a lonely place, befriending the other Christians, learning from them, um, benefiting from them. Yeah. This is still different from that. Even the like, well, you know, what can they, this is a, this would be the, the lone church planter saying, well, I am, I think I'm just going to have to go under the leadership of this other church in the area, which, okay, but you are now, you, this is a, a church act, right? This is a, this is the action of the church. And so anyways, I thought, I actually am glad I put you on the spot because I actually think we got to really what the core of that going on there is. So, I think it was, and I, it's, it's a little bit, um, it's, it's a little bit on the sly to make mm-hmm. it sound like, well, we're just learning from each other. Yeah, That's what we're doing. Well, that's not what you're doing. You know, I like, if, if that's all we're doing, great. <laughs> like we're, right. I'm all for that. Yep. Yep. So let's, let's listen to this clip. I only titled it evangelicalism. So I don't know what we're going to get exactly in this clip, but we'll find out. There can be a clash mm-hmm. very often. The denomination wants more control. I'll just give you a real quick one is um, in New York City right now, I think if you're going to do an evangelistically based church plant, you need to give people a good two years almost before they can get a a church, you know, a a worship service up. You need to start with a church planter and maybe a few other lay people and you just evangelize your eyes out for 18 months until you develop 50, 60, 70 people who are seekers or people have become converted and they're bringing people it takes a couple years and then you can when you launch a a service you are really reaching new people now the fast way to get a church up is to is to launch big with with great music and everything and the reason why you go big real fast is you actually just draw people from all the other churches Mm -hmm. you're basically it, Kathy calls it, my wife calls it, the circulation of the saints. <laughs> All you're doing is just drawing people from elsewhere. Right Now, here's the problem. In New York City, we work with all these people from these different denominations, help them start their churches, but they're getting institutional pressures from their own denominations to go big fast and to get off the dole and to not need, a, we don't, you know, you don't need financial help anymore because you already have 150 people and you're self-supporting. That's what they want. And yet the church planners on the ground realize through their network, they're, they're working with all these other church planners from all these other denominations. And they're working with experts and city to city people who have planted many churches here. And they're realizing what my, what my denomination wants and what I really need to be doing are not the same. Hmm. And then that's a problem. And yet we would never say, oh, just drop, you know, 
see, this is what Mark Driscoll would do. You quit that denomination. You just, you fire your elder. You do whatever it takes to grow. And so actually, this was, this is actually two, this is more about two methods of evangelism um, in, or growing a church. Um, and then we are going to listen to uh, one clip where Tim Keller describes how Redeemer grew, because I think that's really interesting. And then we're going to get to the meat. We are going to get to the meat of talking about Driscoll, his relationship with Driscoll, because that is what I think is most important and most interesting. So let me say two things about this. One, um, I think this first model is actually having some knowledge now of the PCA and what it values in church planting. Aspirationally, this is what, as a denomination, the PCA wants to value. This willingness to take time and build into communities and not need to rush and not um, resort to the field of dreams. If we build it, they will come model. Um, that, is, that is quite popular and um, quite uh, common. Also, I think that that model is, uh, I mean, that thing's on life support. I don't know how much longer that model works the way that it currently works. Um, yeah, is, it, it seems that way, right? In a, the postmodern culture that we're on, uh, what that we're in, it's just like, that's just not, uh, it's no longer an option. When everybody is, is bleeding people, you can't just rearrange. Right, right. So yeah, do you have any other thoughts on that other than Kathy Keller apparently being being an excellent turn of phrase kind of gal? Um, so shout out to it. her. She seems like she would be good writer but, and everything. Yeah, um, is there anything that struck you about that those two kind of models that exist? Yeah, I mean, I think it's true, right? You and I have had these conversations before, um, as you know, you've talked about church planting and and as you prepare, um, this does seem to be the typical way of doing things and um in my mind so i think that this this is the american industrial way right like this is um, mm. the church in the in, it's it's the industrialized church right where you know like everything in kind of the industrialized mindset as i see it is we just got to pump up those numbers, baby. You know, just like keep right. it going up, keep it going up. We just got to, you know, we just got to keep moving in that direction. Up. So We've whatever that takes, right? Up. And for a while, yeah, let's like, let's make it seem really exciting and new. And that's what's going to draw everybody. And that's what's going to, you know, uh, help us. And we're going to have this, you know, massive church. I don't know if you've ever been to uh, Willow Creek, you know, so Willow Creek is obviously big in this, you know, in this kind of model, we're going to go and find out ex literally exactly what, would bring people to the church and we're just going to do that thing. Right. No matter if they're Christian, like, you know, it has nothing to do with where they're at spiritually. We just want to know what would it take to get you in the doors? We're going to do that thing. And this, I mean, the church is massive, right? I mean, I don't know what they're at numbers wise. I know that they're like crazy down, like so many other mega churches after COVID. Um, but like just the building itself is just, it's unreal how, large this thing is they have multiple waterfalls <laughs> as much as i didn't walk around the building a lot when i was there but man they had multiple waterfalls in in the building so that tells you something about its size um but like that so that has worked for a time but it we are quickly uh moving out of the kind of industrialized mindset because what you find out is that uh, with all you know kind of extreme industrialization, 
the more and more you have to pump up the numbers, eventually you, you have to start cutting corners, mm. right? So all of a sudden my numbers are not, Hey, these are people that we've reached out to with the gospel. Um, we have loved them and cared for them. We've preached the gospel to them. They have now repented of their sin. They've started to be discipled. We have continued discipling them through the many years that it takes to really bring somebody to a place of maturity. And now they are a stable member of the church. And now they're going and they're doing that same thing with their neighbors. Um, it's not that anymore because all of a sudden it's like, well, that does take a lot of time. That's okay. not scalable. You can't scale You can't that. scale it. Exactly. That is, that is necessarily decentralized. And so all of a sudden it's like, well, we can do that in this little pocket, but to really get to that next number, we have to start drawing from somewhere else and we have to start building people in that are not at that place. Right. And we can't even get to that place. We need to start bringing people in. It doesn't matter if they're actually converted or not. Right. It doesn't matter if, you know, it, you just start bringing numbers in for the sake of numbers. Um, and I think a lot of people, one of the reasons this is starting to fall apart is because that's unsustainable. Number two, because people just don't care about numbers as much anymore. Mm. They just don't like, we're just like that appeal. It's just not as much there. It's still there. I won't say it's not there at all, but, but I think it's losing its appeal, which I think is a good thing in the long run. Yeah. Well, let's listen to a clip here about how, uh, how redeemer grew, which I don't think he'll say in this clip, but Tim Keller says explicitly, we are not the model for church planting, which I'll just say newsflash to a lot of guys <laughs> <laughs> newsflash to a lot of people. There's about two times in this interview where I think Tim Keller acts a little bit too folksy by half. And that might be one of the moments where he says, we are definitely not the model of what <laughs> church planting should be like. Hey, which was a set of emphases, but not programs. And we tried to say it has a lot to do with a number of things. One is one of the reasons, Mike, for example, one of the reasons, uh, and when I started, this was kind of radical, late 80s, 90, early 90s. I wore a suit every Sunday, and we sang traditional hymns. Every Wait, what? I, you can't do that. <laughs> Tim, Tim Keller stands. I want you, I want your church to embrace, call Pastor Michael. Embrace the model. to get suits, and and trinity hymnals and you can join christ covenant in that model of church i'm not the guy to pick out suits. i i i have suits that are nice to me uh, yeah. but, but uh they are definitely the low end <laughs> they're sure. low end suits but again let's 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 just note that is what that is where tim keller started when we talk about the tim keller model we don't mean that i'll put it that way when we're describing that yeah, isn't that interesting? You know, um, one of the things that, you know, is so often said is that, you know, there's there's guys like Keller, who a lot of people today are really hard on, people that do, do Tim Keller watch podcasts, maybe. But uh, a lot of times what people are being hard on is the disciples, right? Like it's it's the next generation. It's the guys who took some of these emphases and pushed them to a further extreme um, than yes. maybe Keller himself would have. And it's seen now to be problematic for various reasons. And be, and so if you haven't heard Aaron Wren's podcast, search Aaron Wren on Tim Keller, where he points out what Tim Keller actually did was actually 
you know, whatever we, and we have done criticisms, it was actually so laudable and huge. Um, yeah. Huge for what he tried in the eighties. Like all of the things that are now trends that are associated with him, he did when they weren't trends, when it wasn't, um, when there was no clout to yep. be done, to done, to be doing it this way. And I, and you hear it here. So let's keep listening to what helped the church grow. Every Sunday. And we saw a lot of people become Christians. A lot of people. Uh, in fact, it was really remarkable. It was a couple of years there, but I call it revival. And when people showed up to try to say, okay, I remember one person actually said, where are the dancing bears? How do you get people here? And I said, the, I said, the reason why I deliberately... Male ballerinas came later. Sorry, I couldn't, I couldn't resist. <laughs> Not done in the morning anyway. We started having evening service. We use more contemporary music. The reason why I deliberately did you know, hymns and, and suit and all that is I said, the key is if you show people that the gospel is intellectually respectable, that it actually exposes the real deep needs of their hearts, it offers something that they've been looking for all their lives, and that then it's also believable. So it's the, I'm taking this from uh, Blaise Pascal's famous pun saying 187, where he says, show them that Christianity is respectable, then that it's desirable, so that they wish it was true, hmm. then show them that it is true. In other words, respectable, desirable, believable. If you do that in terms they can understand, it doesn't matter how you're dressed. It doesn't matter what the music is. They will get converted, and then they'll bring their friends. And I said, I, one of the reasons why, you know, and I've never been a you know cool-looking person anyway. Oh, you're cool-looking. But Pastor Michael, <laughs> I heard your alarm go off. The it's alarm went off, and we've missed it now. I mean, we, you know, we took two times, so it's been uh, half an hour or so since the last time we did this. So we need to go back to the restlesspodcast.com and we need to promo something. Um, I don't know what to promo. Maybe like pull up some socks. That's what okay. I think we should pull up. So we've got uh, multiple socks, pairs of socks that you can buy from the Restless store. Matt's going to pull some up if you're watching this. If you're just listening, you can imagine these. So we've got reformer socks. These are, you know, various uh, well-known reformers or, you know, those who came after the reformers um, and highly recommend looking at those. But also this is a, you know, a maybe far more original thing that we have on the store. We have Genesis 315 socks. So Genesis 315, you should know, and many of you probably just have it tattooed on your body somewhere. Uh, this is the, the promise that God gives that the, the head of the serpent is going to be crushed um, and that he is going to bruise the heel of this son that's going to, going to be born to the woman. So we have Genesis 3.15 socks, great reminder of that, where there is a snake on the sock and it is being crushed and there is blood <laughs> coming out from the heel of this sock. Um, highly recommend you go check these out. Um, I don't, I, I'm, I'm as positive as I can be that you can't find these anywhere else. This is the place. If you want that kind of sock, this is the place. That's right. So Pastor Michael, we have come to a very Tim Keller thing about what made the church grow. And again, everyone, this is not the model, just to be clear. So even if you really like what he said, this is not the model. I really want to, I really <laughs> want to emphasize that uh, from Tim Keller. So Pastor Michael, I do one thing. Here's the one really good point he's making. 
you we don't like the attract he's he points out the negatives of the attractional model right dude if 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 you're doing this in a way that a marketing company could get that many people in a room what confidence do you have that there's anything about the spirit of god and what you're doing yeah right and if you start that way man where like where do you go from there it's not like you start that way and you say well i guess we're gonna change this and we're going to move in a direction of a much more traditional church. Nope. There's like, that's not an option. All right. Consumer mean people. We are now going to do church discipline and like, <laughs> Oh, well, I guess I'm starting over. Right. Of course. Um, but, but let's talk about the most Tim Keller thing about that clip, um, which he's crediting uh, shout out to blaze Pascal. Love to have you on the show. Uh, if you're ever free. Um, Here's what you need to do, but it's not a model. Here's what he did. You need to show them that the gospel is intellectually respectable, yep. that it's what they've desired all their lives, and that it's believable, believable, see, reasonable. Pastor Michael, why do I think this is one of the most Tim Kellery, Tim Kellerisms about how we present the gospel that I've heard recently? Well, he, I mean, he wrote the reason for God, right? So uh, reasons for God and uh, no, but this is a very, shall we say, academic professorial kind of tack. It's also a very, uh, it is a tactic that will not be as full of conflict, for instance, right? So you don't start uh, with, hey, let's call out the depravity and the sin that I think that you're stuck in. Let's, you know, let's really point to that, uh, that guilt that you have because you stand condemned by the law of God. Um, instead we want to focus on, well, there's something that you desire and want, and I can show you what that actually is. Yeah. And welcome to every gospel presentation you've heard recently. Right. Uh, and here's the, the other thing about it. I think this is this is probably why a lot of Tim Keller's takes on Twitter feel so dated. Hmm. Let me show you these intellectual thoughts that are going on and why it's not right. It's not left. It's intellectually respectable. Yeah. It's that it's one of those things, you know, I'm, so many guys do the same. A lot of guys I respect and really like a lot. It does tend to be those who are more like academic in various ways, but they're always like, yeah, I can stand at a distance and describe what's going on mm-hmm. when there's a lot of us who feel like, Hey, we're like, we're in a war and you're like over there up on that Hill, just like talking about what you think is really going on. Like, man, get like, get down here. What are you right. doing? And, uh, and Yeah. And the idea that you can make, like, we are not in a place where like believability and rationality are like, these are like irrelevant. And I do think, now, I don't think Tim Keller does this, but I do think this, let me show you how the gospel is really what you want, no matter who you are. And again, the kernel, there is a kernel of truth there is. Yeah, there is. There is. But man, there are certain desires we should not try and baptize into the like, really, yeah. this person just wants community with a person just like, there are actually times where we don't do that. Yeah. And I've talked about this before. I actually think that, you know, one of the, I mean, I, you know, I use this at times, or at least in a certain way, right? When Uh I'm talking to people about the gospel, I'm, you know, I'm, that's why you say like there, obviously there's a kernel of truth 
yep. I mean, if I use it, there must be a kernel of truth, but, Definitely. uh, <laughs> but, uh, in our age of, just radical self-centeredness. Yeah. It's just radical self-centeredness. When we present the gospel as let me tell you um, this thing that is all about you still, but is all about you in a much better way than your lust or your pride or your whatever, your career, you know, like here's, here's this thing that is also about you, but is better. And is intellectually respectable. Yeah, Don't right. you love that? And like, that just, I don't think that that actually gets to the heart of it, right? Like that does not, that is not uh, the kind of, you know, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand uh, that probably a lot of people really need to hear. Now, as a, as one piece of what is, you know, a a much larger presentation of the gospel over time in various Mm -hmm. conversations and, you know, uh, long, long, long time spent with somebody at your dinner table while you're, you know, working through these various aspects of the faith. Yeah. Like that's, you know, sure. Like this is a piece of it, right? This is, you know, you, you came here for water. Well, guess what? I can give you living water that will fountain up inside of you to eternal life. You know, like that's, of course, there's some piece of this that is true. You came, you're, you're coming after me just because you want food. Well, guess what? You know, like you yes. need the bread of life. You know, you need bread that comes down from heaven. You need to eat upon my, my body and flesh. And then, you know, oh, okay, actually we're, we're leaving. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know that it should be a, I don't even know if I should call it a kernel of truth. I think it, you're right. This is a huge truth yeah. that there is a part of the human condition that is meant to call for the gospel. Yes. We just misapply it because we want to apply it to like, hey, you t- watch a Twitch stream eight hours a day. Let me tell you how that really, no, it doesn't. That's just you <laughs> being a lazy pile, man. <laughs> like, uh, that's just like, you know, there's a two and a half hour podcast and that's enough. Right. You don't need more than that. Yeah. Now, it's just like, if this is tied together with repentance, yes, right? Great. That's right. You know, like, awesome. That's right. This, that's right. This wasn't a model. You know, it's just part of a thing. So <laughs> um, it's not a model. I know it. Um, so we're going to play a clip where we get into the Driscoll stuff. And this is where I sat waiting. When are we going to talk about his relationship with Driscoll? That is well known. Well, how did I discover Tim Keller, Pastor Michael? From Mark Driscoll's through Mark Driscoll, of course. His recommendation, <laughs> um, th- they're having spoken together. Now, this is where I do think Mike Cosper, God bless him, does this is where I needed a journalist to press the issue just a little yeah. bit more. And I'm and I'm not even saying this as someone with you don't again to press an issue as a journalist doesn't mean to disrespect the person talking to you or call them a liar. But we'll listen to this. We got a little under five minutes of this clip, and so let's listen. Uh, we'll and you know we'll stop and start as we go here. People, and some of those people invited people. That's all I remember. I mean, uh, and so he's talking about how TGC was formed. Which, thank you, we get to we get to do this too along the way, which is a fun which is a fun bonus for us. You get in the room and you talk about the vision for an organization. And you look at each other and then decide, do I want to be in this group? In a certain sense, everybody's a gatekeeper. So it's not like Don and Tim decided who to be in the Gospel Coalition. 
we were the founders in the sense of we were the drivers and we pushed the thing. But basically we had, um, you know, we invited people, who invited people. We're looking for people with basic affinity. We're looking for people who are broadly reformed, who were, uh, you know, in for, uh, Don had his list. I had my list, you know, Don. So here's the question. Here's a great question, Mike Cosper. Whose list was Driscoll on? Yeah. We were all, again, this is, I, I, I said this, and I don't mean to be mean, but this sounds like the explanation Aaron gave of where the golden calf came from. We threw this gold in, and out came this who, big thing. Who knows what happened? I mean, people no were one, No one was in charge. <laughs> people were inviting. I mean, we founded it. And we're we gonna, had lists. If, and we if, had, if anybody's still listening at this point in this crazy long podcast, which I'm sure they're not, um, then they're going to hear that and be like, yeah, we got to tweet that out and we're going to get into massive trouble. So I just no. want to point out at this point, Matt said that. <laughs> <laughs> nice try. Was, don't worry. We, that was all Matt. If we, if we're, don't worry, we are going to address the real trouble we're in, which is, which was over a, a certain hymn, which now <laughs> yes, will be lovingly right. referred to as BHM, as I've now heard it referred to <laughs> many times by its <laughs> avid critics and lovers. Um, yes. So yeah, it's just, these things happen, but this was the question. Whose list was Driscoll on? So, okay, yeah. let, we'll keep going. Now, here. he did say, for the record, he did say, you know, we invite people and they invited people. So yeah. it could have been a secondary list, but still, we want to know. And, you know, the people they invited, some of them got on the board, you know, were <laughs> founding members. Some of uh, them were James McDonald somehow. <laughs> <laughs> who, who, who's, who's doing this, you know? Uh, who's, whose list is yeah, getting these guys what a, on here? What, what solid, solid work. I was preaching high view of the word and all that. I had my list about, you know, trying to engage the culture, but we, we, so we tried and I don't remember who invited Mark, but, uh, okay. Come on. It Come sounds on. like you were trying to engage, you know, okay. Uh, his list was about like, you know, Bible truth, high view of the scripture. My list was about cultural engagement. You it's knew gotta him be. and you knew him from the same funding network. Yeah. It wouldn't surprise right. me because he was a big noise and, and uh, seemed to be doing well out there. And so when we formed, we all looked at each other and uh, didn't know each other extremely well. I probably knew a little bit more about Mark and the brashness because I was there when, you know, it's in the, it's in your podcast when Mark was making claims that were probably just not true about reading a book a day and, and, uh, Dude, the, the gauntlet has been thrown down. Professorial Tim Keller, you can't read a book a day, Mark Driscoll. Well, Mark Drisc like if Tim Keller is not reading a book a day, I mean, Driscoll's not. Let's just, I mean, let's be honest about this, you know? <laughs> like Tim Keller, you know, he, he would be the guy that could say that and I would be like, yep, I believe it. Yep. Like it doesn't, it doesn't shock me. I'm pretty sure that I heard similar things at least close to that about da carson mm. in the past from people that uh you know studied with him that maybe not that he wrote read a book a day but it was really close i mean it was you know i mean he was reading crazy amounts you know yeah. uh, of you know pretty pretty uh in-depth books listen there was one year when i you know if i count audiobooks that i read 240 books wow but yep. a lot of them were really small you know, like this included some kids books, for instance, like kids like, you know, 
uh, you know, younger kids like chapter books because I was trying to listen through them to see if they would be good for my kids. Sure. And this included, you know, and it was my goal, right? Like I was hitting this as hard as I could. Every spare second I had, I was reading or listening to some kind of book. I wasn't listening to any podcast, right? Like I put everything else out. And when I did that, it was like, yeah, I'm never even going to get close to this. You know, right. like that was just like a crazy year of my life. And I'm never going to try to do that again. But this is what I mean when this is just like too folksy by half. Like me and a group of my friends got together and started the largest evangelical conglomeration <laughs> that currently exists. Yeah, right. I don't know. Wow. You know, like that, that is not how this worked. Like, and, and I understand that like, and, I, and I'm not calling him a liar. I'm saying that like, I understand that for the purposes of telling this story in five minutes, this is kind of how you have to tell this story. Yep. Like how things started snowballing, how, right, how this, you know, how this grew, how this came from a small idea, right? But that is actually not what is interesting about your relationship to Mark or yeah. how the Gospel Coalition was founded. Now, the other thing, I, that hypothesis of mine might be totally wrong. And if it is wrong, what that means is all of us who see these pastors interact together on a national stage, they have apparently no close relationship to, despite what it appears. That is what, that is the other option, right? When, when you're, when we see these pastors and they're recommending each other and they're not just speaking at the same conference, they are sitting next to each other and they are sitting on the boards of these things. Yep. Those relationships also, interestingly, those, close affinity groups you need are apparently <laughs> at a national level, not close at all. They don't really know each other, which makes all of that potentially even weirder for me. I yep. don't really know what to say about that. But Yeah. So what is going on? Who is doing these things, making these decisions? Um, I think we all know. I think we all know who is behind it the whole time. His last name is Self. Charlie. <laughs> he's, he's definitely we real. Show. We know you're he's real. He's definitely real. He is not an artificial intelligence that if, has somehow if, become sentient. We may on the back half of this, if we have, if we get far enough down our topic list, but we are, we are far into this hour and a half and we are still on Tim Keller. So we better keep going. If anyone wants any hope of us getting to Charlie <laughs> Self the man um there was just there was that uh, brashness is probably the word but i wasn't sure when he joined that that was a sign of some kind of major character flaw or anything like that so we didn't know and so we all joined up so that's that first of all keep that in mind that is that i didn't make the decision to have him on but rather we all made who did decision to to start the thing together number one number two about Mark is that Mark had the platform. We had no platform. This, this, this was a thing he said, and I said, that is, and probably again, a thing people don't remember or realize that is categorically the case. 100% was the case. Yeah. The gospel coalition, and this might be a great of all the people who are who were negative on Mark Driscoll, this might push you over the edge. <laughs> the Gospel Coalition's clout and current standing is because of Mark Driscoll. Right. It would not have gotten off the ground without Driscoll. And he says Piper too, I think. Like these, and, these and guys true. had, they had the audience, right? The, they had the people. 
they had the platform and we just came in and kind of got some of that attention. So once again, call up Mark Driscoll and you can write him your thank you card for TGC. So. And so did John Piper. So in that entire group, the only people that had a platform, the idea it's anachronistic think excuse me i'm sorry interrupting myself it's anachronistic thinking that gospel coalition had a platform had this big website and all this stuff and we invited people like mark driscoll onto it now mark had a website mark had an enormous platform and so did john piper and the gospel coalition had nothing <laughs> we had nothing we had uh, in fact don and i were so f oh mike we are so foresighted our understanding of the gospel coalition was it was going to be an annual pastor's conference our original thought was more like tg t4g and then those guys already had that lane come on <laughs> um i again I, again i don't doubt that this as you form things they morph and okay. you know any group thing you make our podcast anything over time it yep. morphs and particularly you know when it's this like religious group but it doesn't like there is no like strong uh, confessional standard. There's no like, you know, here's our, like, this is our process for discipline or for, you know, how we uh, go about letting some people in and not others. And right. you know how we test that we, you just don't have anything. Of course, right. it's going to be this kind of weird, like, we're not sure where this is going to end up. We'll just say that Tim Keller has done some great ads for Presbyterianism. Don't call, I'm not calling this a great ad for affinity groups over time. <laughs> that's, that's what we really thought we were going to do. We were just going to have a pastor's conference. Uh, I, I, frankly, I'll just say, I remember Don saying to me, you know, a little broader than T4G, you know, a little bit, you know, a little, mm. little broader. And he also said less celebrity focused. <laughs> so T4, we, we knew T4G was starting at the same time and we invited them all. You know, they were all part of Gospel Coalition. And we felt like T4G was a little more celebrity oriented. Let's let's bring in the big names with the with the big books and all that. And it was a little more uh, a, little, a little more combative sounding, just a wee bit more like, you know, a little more saber rattling, just a bit. It was small. Because they're the ones who are together for the gospel, right? I love I love that Tim <laughs> Keller just said basically that these guys who have said that they were all about the like you know the the small man pastor he basically just said what we covered when we've talked about t4g right like no this was just another like celebrity pastor conference you know that's and, what it was and by and by them being just a little bit more saber rattling means he means they invited j mac that's really what that means everybody in case you're wondering that's that's really where I was I, allowed well, to be a part of that. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's my understanding of that. Oh, we love these guys. They're very dear friends. But Don was saying, we're not the same. We're going to be doing a lot more than just having a pastor. But we, we, but nevertheless, it, originally we thought we were going to be at the pastor's conference. Then we said, well, maybe we need to have a website. So we weren't really thinking this out very well. But frankly, it was, I would say when we started the website, it was john piper particularly justin taylor coming over from desiring god and it was mark driscoll's uh you know connection that created the the gospel coalition platform so maybe that's even more evil 
Mike. <laughs> May, it could be that in people's minds, it would be very evil if the Gospel Coalition actually platformed Mark Driscoll, which people say all the time. Tim Keller platformed. The reality is <laughs> that Mark Driscoll platformed us. Boom. So there it here is. you go. Mark Driscoll platformed us. That's right. So anything in the in the final, and that is really honestly, we'll play two other clips. We'll play one where he talks about what's wrong with TGC because everyone wants to know the answer to that question, uh, and we'll hear Tim Keller's answer, and then we'll play what it was all about all along. But what um, what do you think? Any any thoughts about this? You know the well, we found a guy who knew how to you know make a Squarespace website, so we could have a be on the internet too. And again, we're just. You know, this is Tim Keller. You live in Manhattan, New York. Well, so that's the thing, right? Like, okay, you're talking about like getting all these people together. You like actually got together, right? Like in a right. place. Where'd all this money come from? Who bankrolled this stuff? What was the like, you know, that there had to be a we, something, right? When just some guy get, was like, hey, we're going to give you a bunch of money yeah. for we a just thing. happened to get in a room with all the, um, some of the best educated, well-known reformed pastors, minus J-Mac. And we, <laughs> I don't know, you know, like there was, there's more. And again, right. He is what he's trying to communicate, which I believe is that this thing kind of just has snowballed over time yeah. and that things were added and ideas. Yeah. And that probably is true, right? Like Tim of Keller course. is obviously a, an extremely busy guy. He's yeah. a pastor. He's got, tons of his own stuff going on. Um, he's very interested in some of these other ventures, but like, as far as like, do you think that he was giving all of his time to this TGC? No, like he just wasn't. He, he was probably interested in it. He obviously really likes affinity groups. You know, he likes right. starting extra ecclesiastical yep. bodies of yep. like, you know, uh, these various pastors. So like, he was obviously interested in it, but um, uh, like, I believe that he'd be like, Hey, let's just try this. I on a obviously like way smaller level that is completely insignificant compared to somebody like Tim Keller. I do this kind of stuff. You know, it's like, Hey, Oh, Oh, you want to start a group that just discusses this item. All right, let's do it. You know, like I, I love just getting involved with things and doing things. Um, and there comes a point where it's like, yeah, I just, I don't give a lot of time to a handful of these. Cause I just don't have that time to give. Pastor Michael, same, just the same in this way. What a villain. Um, <laughs> But what I think, maybe even more evil, as they say, <laughs> um, what I think is, is true. And this is another thing that rings true uh, about what you're saying is think back to the early days of TGC. If you can, I didn't associate it super strongly with Tim Keller. I associated it with, oh. I did associate with John Piper, Mark Driscoll, Tulian Chavijan's blog, Kevin DeYoung's blog, yep. uh, even Justin Taylor, um, yep. And, and DA, you know, I, I very much associated with DA Carson, uh -huh. uh, but much less Tim Keller. I right. think when I first found out that it was Tim Keller and DA Carson that kind of were kind of the founders, I was actually kind of shocked. I didn't realize that. I think I think I found out, you know, a, a ways into my reading of the resources on TGC. And, and because, and I actually think, and this is why, again, this is part of the story that doesn't exactly, what about TGC wasn't celebrity true? It's actually that they had lots of, they allowed lots of different people to write blogs yes. on their platform. Not that they spoke at the conferences or whatever, right? That was no. the 
It was like no, because we got to draw people for those. Right. It was <laughs> we, the. It we was need the to exact, make money, Matt. We need to make exact, money somewhere. It was the exact same stable of people who spoke at together for the gospel. They just alternated years, so you could go <laughs> to the conference every year. It was on the blog, and so I would guess that as soon as they the decision of blogging and the decision of not being celebrity focused or whatever, however they worded it or whatever they want, those were made at the exact same time. And that is how this all built out from there. So let's listen to what Tim Keller says is might be wrong with together for the gospel, right? In this economy, we're going to talk about that, I guess. The parachurch empire. And by the way, in my nomination, Dude, what a great, I, I hope, I wish they would change. TGC's like banner to TGC, the parachurch empire. What a great, <laughs> what an awesome thing. It's really good. That would be great. And there's plenty of people that just feel like uh, Tim, you know, I, I won't mention anybody's name, but I, mean, I got some really good friends that are just saying, why in the world did you ever get involved with the gospel coalition? Because it's just a, it's just a kind of, it's a evangelical parachurch network that doesn't have any accountability. And, the problems you've had are because it's just, it's not a real, it's not, a, it's not ecclesial. It's a voluntary association. But when you push those folks, are you against every voluntary association? You're not against that. I mean, yeah, Pastor Michael, are you? <laughs> oh, oh boy. Well, yeah, all right. I'll... So are you right? This is, uh, this is very similar, though, if we go back and think, oh, yeah, like, well, you're not against affinity groups. It's great to learn from other Christians. Right. Okay, that's not the same thing. And, and the answer not. for him, and the answer for him is I like these, right? Yeah. That's like the simple answer is I find value in these relationships, yeah. right? That's the simple answer. You know, but, but it does participate in the problem. You're right. The same, yeah. I mean, I just think it's an interesting, you know, it's it's a reflection of the reality of the way, I don't know, for lack of a better term, sort of Christendom thinks about churches, leaders, those associations. There's an assumption yeah. of a of a kind of accountability and knowledge and all that. It's just not, not there. there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And now we see it. Yeah. That's one of the reasons for the blowups. Yes. Yeah. But is the evangelical world not the mainline world that has always seen the the main carriers of ministry would be would be these these parachurch organizations the evangelical empire and i i do think that there's great weakness it's it's, it's a fruit of revivalism I, I, just a great book to read mike if you haven't read it before it's even though it's a, it's not a page turner because it's academic but uh nate hatch's book um you know, the democratization of American Christianity. All right. We want to let him get that book shout out in because it would not be a Tim Keller tweet or interview or anything without a book shout out to a book that uh, uh, a, a number of people just ordered. So, so again, we have, you know, we have this issue of not accountability and Tim Keller basically saying, yeah, it's part of the problem. And so again, this is the, uh, this is the, and this is this is the dilemma he's putting before you. Okay, so Michael, evangelicalism is led by these kinds of parachurch entities. Do you want those to be in, led and championed by Bill Hybels or Don Carson and Rick Warren? Here's your choice. That's that is the dilemma he's presenting to you. 
Right. Did you say Don Carson and Rick Warren? <laughs> oh, sorry. No, Don Carson and uh, Tim Keller or Tim Bill Hybels and yes, Rick Warren. And Rick Warren, yes. Right. And, and again, I'm and I'm excluding people way further out yep. that would love to get on that grift further out. But that's the dilemma he's presenting to you. Okay, so you want to tell yeah. me these aren't good? Here's and that was the, the plan, right? To take to try to take the center of evangelicalism. Exactly. And maybe this is a good point. Maybe this is a good point to say, like, you know, and I like I get that. And there, I think is part of me that's thankful that they did this and it made Calvinism the norm now where like you can go into uh, an evangelical free church, which I grew up in. And today, the majority seem to be more Calvinistic, whereas Mm -hmm. just, you know, 15 years ago or 20 years ago, that would not have been the case, it seems like. Okay, so that like. That seems to me a good thing. There's part of me that thinks that that is a good thing anyway. But also listening to this, maybe looking at where things have gone as far as the Gospel Coalition or others, like if, like when you're trying to take the center of revivalism, right? You're trying to take the center of what evangelicalism, you know, is kind of at its heart. Um, maybe that's not even something to spend your time doing. I, you know, maybe that's not, maybe that's not like in the long run going to actually be the most beneficial action. Um, whereas you could have poured all of that time and all those resources into trying to build up an ecclesiastical institution that had the accountability that you could draw a lot of these people into that you could work at, you know, where you see issues or problems, maybe you could work, you know, work with those. Um, like just again, going back to what I said before, would spending your time in that way have actually produced more and better fruit for the long term? Yeah. I'm, I'm at least tempted to say yes. Obviously, I can't know. You know, right. I'm, I can't see this, but it sure seems like it. Oh, there's a timer. So we've been going every half hour because who wants to hear us stop every 15 minutes when we're trying to get through this Tim Keller interview? We've got to promise something else. Why don't you go to... Uh, go to uh, book recommendations. Let's do book recommendations. If you go to the restlesspodcast.com and go to book recommendations, you can just scroll all kinds of recommended books on, you know, reform theology and Christian living and sacraments and, and things like that. We also, both Matt and I made a top five list of books. We highly recommend that. I, I wouldn't say this is top five, like necessarily, these are the best top five books, but Hey, here are top five books that we would recommend uh, that you read to maybe get a sense of, of things that have really impacted and influenced us. Now, if you go to this place and you click on that link, it takes you to Amazon, but we get a kickback if you buy that book. Uh, so, you know, that's a great way to support the podcast. If you just want to buy a book that's on a list that you've always wanted anyway, Hey, you know, this gives us a little piece of it. So why not do it that way? I'm so I'm going to let Pastor Michael's comments on this stand and the question he begged, which is good. I am going to say, though, I am thankful they tried to do this because that is how they got to me. So, uh, right. And that's right. This is why, like, you know, and God has used revivalism, right? (laughs) Like, that's yep. You know, yep. God has used, God has even used the Lutherans. Right. <laughs> Jacob, shout out to you. Just, so, <laughs> just kidding. Just a little joke. So let's play, let's play one more clip of Tim Keller, just for fun. Just, just for fun. A little bit about what it was all about in the end. Kind of sort of confidence. Sorry, that- this isn't about, um, this isn't about Tim Keller. This is about 
what the the Mar- the rise and fall of Mars Hill podcast was really all about in the, the end. absolute authority of a of a guy like Driscoll who's heard the voice of God and knows how you're supposed to live your life, you know. Um, and with that really strong declarative authority, I mean, there's something really, I think, I think it's compelling in the same way that a guy like Trump showing up saying, I alone can fix it, has, a, has an authority that, that we crave that's been undermined in other, other ways in our culture, right? That is just as important. Oh, I get it. It was all about Trump. It all, all comes back to him. Will we? Here's the question. There's, when we're thinking about the future here, and we've talked about, you know, I can't know the future. I can't know what would have happened if you used denominations instead of these affinity groups. Um, looking into the future is something that we cannot possibly know. Will we be able to find anything in our lifetimes? that does not in some way <laughs> end up back at Donald Trump. Yes. I don't know. I don't know if we'll be able to. Everything, all all roads lead to Trump Tower. It was all about Trump all along. <laughs> there was just nothing better than listening to this podcast and the bonus coming back to, and just like Trump. <laughs> oh, man. It's so, just brutal. It's brutal. So, so I'd like to offer... Um, um mike cosper a reminder we'd love to have him on the show but the show that he is now starting to make already exists and it's called the restless podcast (laughs) we talk about these shows stay in your lane man stay Stay, in your lane stay in your lane you've got to go find another (laughs) rise and fall show to talk about so good luck with you on that Uh, also please please don't take this from us We (laughs) we, we, we don't have a lot Please don't take this from us. Well, Pastor Michael, we are now passing on to topic number two. Wow, we made is, it. I'm we, actually we so, What it. are we at on the timer? We have 52 minutes left. <laughs> okay, okay. I thought you were going to say we've been going for 52 minutes. No. I was like, there's no way. There's yep. no way. So, so Pastor Michael, we are going to, uh, it's a very popular way to talk about things, right? Uh, maybe you've seen this meme where it's like, He's a nine, but, and then you can put the number in for what that makes him. So when your podcast is a nine, but you un, un, you categorically defend and promote the battle hymn of the Republic. <laughs> Listeners, reply to this show with what number that turned this podcast into for you. Did that... <laughs> Did that turn that into a 10 for We you? know for a lot of you, it was it was a <laughs> negative two, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> shout out. Shout out to everyone who that was the last episode who will never hear this, right? You know, uh, that they were so that, that was so beyond the pale. So so Pastor Michael, um, we've gotten lots of positive feedback over time. We've gotten lots of uh, you know, various criticisms which were enjoyable to talk about. Sometimes we just laughed at. But truly, nothing has got given me more messages than the, um, and probably the fact that I went ahead and thought it would be fun to release that thing on the 4th of July, uh, probably only added to it. But we, um, people did not like this on a, I would say on a whole. Now, I will read a few positive things at the end. But Pastor Michael, how we are going to do this segment is I'm going to read to you a few of the people most hurt by what you said, not what I said, even though it was my idea, I brought it up. I, uh, I really set this up for us. And you're going to tell me what, if anything, you want to change about, uh, 
about that take and that bonus material. So I'm just going to read a couple of these to get a good representative idea. Now, I can't actually even read everything that was sent to us because we had books was, recommended to us on it this was gym. books full podcasts like it was a lot multiple <laughs> interviews lectures now let me just say i i'm not i i don't want to plead ignorance because i don't want to be folksy keller like well i just threw things up and, and i had no idea i'll say this i had no idea that there were multiple reformed pastors who've done lectures on this hymn oh um, man that there's just, a book we written. we walked into this one we're just these dumb yankees that just we did so so i'm not going to read um all of this guy's uh twitter thread but he is but his point is i'll read uh two things and he and he gives examples to try and back it up but i don't want to give go all the way along so he said nothing hurt more today than hearing some of my favorite pca guys and hey, podcasters nice. yeah that's so, really nice to have <laughs> uh at restless pod praising the absolutely terrible battle hymn of the republic so this guy woke up to his poor fourth of july oh cool they released a new episode today <laughs> and it, and it killed Sorry to everybody who just like we just ruined their whole yep. whole independence so, day so here's here's basically his problem uh julia ward how was a heretic for him is bloodthirsty and it equates the political cause of the north with the cause of christ <laughs> she was wrong and her hymn was bad so that's that's one very distinct that that's a very oh, strong take it's pretty brutal so then we have a guy who appealed to us as having called ourselves the um um the junior high ministry of the reform forum um where he says a slightly different take with chuckles because he realizes they had a, <laughs> a a blog written about this uh the battle hymn of the republic and civil religion and the closing apparently line of that article is the more you know, the less singable that song <laughs> is. That might just actually be true. <laughs> and then we have um, a guy who linked to us his late friend, Reverend Bill Smith, writing the following against um, this, this hymn. Uh, he went ahead and told us it's a hard nay on the Yankee uh, Unitarian song written by that woman who didn't believe in Jesus. <laughs> and he says... And, and here's a great question to ask is inquire as to why it's omitted from the uh, Trinity hymnal and the OPC one, which is a Northern publication. Um, I do believe we got the answer regardless of its quality or not, uh, why it's not in the hymnal. Oh man. Now there, <laughs> let me, let me keep going. Now, let me give you someone who gave a, uh, another like, uh, perhaps uh, another uh, this one I don't I just want to this person was attempting to appeal to our better nature and this person said I was raised in a liberal Baptist denomination the American Baptist Church the battle hymn was not unknown there it carries too much emotional baggage for southerners and northerners if it could be sung to praise God for his righteousness and judgment no problem but it is a divisive song for our country interestingly the in France the popular melody christmas song shantown's noel um a let's sing of christmas and so uh that's what they that the tune is used for apparently um in france now pastor michael let me give you actually one of my favorite pieces of feedback we got because again i could literally do this probably for the next 45 minutes i love but, this so much i love but, this is hey, why we're is, not i'm so glad by the way that 
at least I hope a lot of these people, because they interact so much, they're probably also the people that already left us reviews. <laughs> yeah. So there's no, so there's no press. There's no, there's no bad press. Right. Um, right. Except for whatever press originally pressed this hymn is what I'm learning. If, um, if Donald Trump has taught us anything, it's that walking right into this kind of a landmine may just do really well for us. <laughs> so here you go. So here's one thing that I really like is they said, Whatever Christian point you want to make by singing BHR, which is now what we're calling it, because it's apparently it's that iconic <laughs> that it can be called BHR, is could be made with other songs without baggage. Any setting of Psalm 2, Soldier, uh, a hymn called Soldiers of Christ Arise, Onward Christian Soldiers, which is indeed a banger. And it's great. Is a, is a song I'm going to now wholeheartedly endorse and see what happens next um and christ shall have dominion i think that's a great idea because i do think um potentially before you if you agreed with us or thought that was a good take before you go hey church we need to really start singing this song that might not go over so well in light of how it went over for us but using these recommended songs i think would be great psalm 2 soldiers of christ arise onward christian soldiers Christ shall have dominion. I think that's a yeah, great, and all very good. These are all, all very, very good, good. Yeah. And very good advice. So pastor Michael, here we go. We've come to the crux of our moment. How much of that do you want to take back now? Oh man. Uh, I'm, I want to pull a nuance. <laughs> I really didn't know. Like, you know, maybe I'm just like, I evidently I am just ignorant of what people think here's having heard all of these things this is uh this is what i think i think that the point that there are songs that you know are they have you know they teach all of this the best parts of this song right because one of the things we said is you know the history of it yeah okay like the fact that there's a woman who wrote it who uh you know was uh, a heretic you know i don't I don't actually know that history, uh, but I happen to know that there are some really good hymns written by people who had absolute whack theology. So I know that that's happened before. Um, and, you know, again, that doesn't mean that they're the best hymns to sing, right? Doesn't mean they're the best songs in the world. So maybe they're not ideal. Um, but, you know, like that, that in my opinion is not a 100% write out. I have no problem with, uh, with, God, the author of all things, um, commandeering the, you know, the uh, words or tunes written by people who uh, don't know him. That's, that's okay by me overall. Um, now, does that mean that, you know, my favorite people to write hymns for the church are people who, you know, don't believe that Jesus was the son of God or something? Well, no, of course not. <laughs> you know, like that's, that's not what I'm saying. Uh, but it doesn't, I don't think that that just 100% just rules something out. Mm. Um, the historical argument is compelling to me. Um, this does evidently we found out carry a lot more baggage than I realized, you know, like I didn't realize it carries that much baggage. Um, I, you know, I, uh, I do not associate it with these things and something interesting that actually came up. So, you know, one of the things you read came from our uh, patrons telegram group, Shout out to uh, those who are on there. Um, one of the women on the group who is from Australia, very interestingly said that uh, they actually sing this song in Australia, but they don't call it the Battle Hymn of the Republic. And they don't have any of this you know, historical 
uh, baggage. Are, are and, you ready for this? I yep. also received a message from someone from rural Alberta where they grew up singing this, and they also like the take. Now, so fascinating, the only people, the early on people that like said, that were supportive of it were non-Americans. Yeah, isn't that interesting? So um, that at least, you know, I think gives some context to what we were saying when we did the podcast, which was like, all in all, if you take this, you know, and read it in light of the scriptural language of it, it's great. Most of it actually is just scriptural language. Now, was the author of the song trying to use it to say, yes, the North is this, right? Like we are the embodiment of Christ's kingdom on earth or something. Yeah. Okay. Is that a problem? Absolutely. It's a problem. I don't like, I don't endorse that one bit. I still think that singing glory, glory, hallelujah to that tune is great. (laughs) And yes. Okay. There are a couple of places, you know, some of these are pointed out. There are a couple of places that it is, you know, you got to stretch. You got to stretch the allegory a little bit, Um, but most of it is pretty good. Yeah. So that's where I stand. I don't know, you know, I'm what actually, what it all came down to for me was, I don't think that I would use it um, in the worship service because I just found out that there are a large amount of people that carry tons of baggage with it. Um, Number two, I really don't think that I would use it on uh, the week of 4th of July. Because then I think that it carries those, you know, overtones in some way or another. Um, anyway. <laughs> I'm just quick sharing your Twitter so people know <laughs> when, where to send their thoughts oh my about goodness. what you just said. Because yeah. again, right, the question you're asking is on the merits, can the actual content of the song, not the intent and all of these things be redeemed? And so I just want everyone to know they can find you <laughs> at Pastor M. Bowman on Twitter. <laughs> And they can share. There's no one that, listening to this at this point. That's oh, what no, I love I, about it. I, I, think <laughs> I love that you saved it to the end. Because here we go. We're not at the end. Look at all the look at all the tabs I have open here. For <laughs> oh, the man. Last how much how much time do we have minutes, left? The last 40 minutes. And so um, so I yeah, I think that either the question is without wait, the wait, 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 wait. You have to say well, no, let me just where you're me, at after all this. Let me say one thing. I think it's interesting the people outside of America. Mm-hmm are able to sing it. And that's one of two things. It's either American baggage. Um, and by the way, if you're a Psalms only person, like I love you. And I actually, I think you have a lot. I think you have a, I think you have a strong reformed leg to stand on. But again, I'm go- if you're criticizing this, I'm going to take it with a pretty huge grain yeah. of salt. Cause you're like, well, you didn't, it's not just a Psalm, but yep. Yeah. It's well, well taken. Yep. And but thank you. <laughs> but here's the, but here's the thing. The other possibility is what uh, the Reform uh, Forum article came out with, which is the more you know, the less singable it is. That these and that's people very possible. Of, yeah. And so it's one of those two things. Um, I do think using these other songs in, in the cases of the fact of how this was reacted to. But even our, our this person from Canada, who I'm not going to out, I'm just going to out your Twitter for where people can share. <laughs> hey, songs. if you, by the way, if you don't like this song, give me a good hymn to this tune i'm telling Ooh, you just like you i, I want a good tune. hymn to this tune yep and and i think what he right this person pointed out is paradise lost milton uh was probably an arian and that paradise lost has value now obviously it probably doesn't have value that goes into a worship service but that was yes. 
that was a random person from Canada's view. So you can call up Canada and drive a truck. Like you can go take all your trucks up to Canada um, and protest them there where they are <laughs> apparently using this song. Um, but anyway, so, yep. Uh, your favorite podcast was a nine. Um, and then they sang the battle hymn of the Republic. So I, I'd love to know what number that makes us, but pastor Michael, we have so many topics I want to get to. Let's keep rolling. Let's take it off your great Twitter profile where people I'm having go. more fun, by the way, the longer we go, the more so, fun I'm having. So pastor Michael, we are going to move on to pastor Rick Warren, another church planting extraordinaire. Um, Pastor Michael, how much of what happened at the last SBC convention? Now, again, shout out if you are in the SBC convention and still listening. I'm still drinking iced tea, by the way, for you. This is that's this is all for you. Uh, there's a different beverage Presbyterians are known for. Um, how much about this? The one of the kerfuffles at the last SBC, specifically the Rick Warren one, do you know about? So I saw a clip going around of Rick Warren speaking from the floor. Yes. And I maybe started watching it and I was like, I don't care. <laughs> that's, oh, we, that's, well, that's so honestly what happened. Because we are going to be watching that clip together right <laughs> now. So there is a I'm lot gonna... of me that doesn't care about these things. But then there's also a part of me that always says, well, Matt's going to have me do it later anyway. So I'll just wait. <laughs> By the way, if you are one of the 13.7 million members of the SBC, I care about you. Wow. I love you. Know, you. Wow, by the way. Wow. <laughs> that's <Yeah>. uh... <laughs> So Pastor Michael can just, yeah, thinks that's a rounding error of amount of <laughs> churches and people. No, I care. I care. I care an hour, two hours into this podcast about you still. And so, so uh, it was probably newsflash to a number of people since they don't use the word Baptist in their name. Saddleback Church is an SBC church. So they hold to the Baptist faith and message, which, man, that'd be fun to interview someone about that document someday. Um, um, and this, again, an, another topic that I have way at the back of this thing would be O. Palmer Robertson's speech from the floor at the PTA. Yeah. But we may just say that for the purely Presbyterian Patreon. Um, that'd be good, yeah. That'd be a really good one. But um, Rick Warren... Um, stepped up to to the mic like a normal dude to speak at this thing and so here is what is causing the issue is rick warren is retiring you know praise the lord rick warren is retiring he's going to be he's going to be done uh, with his storied career and which is by the way i just assume you're just referring to his diet plan book <laughs> Um, I just assume that's what you meant by his career. Yeah. And so he, um, he has, um, he has, uh, I don't know what the right word to use it. He has knighted, he has selected the predecessor who will be the lead pastor of this church after him. It will be Andy and Stacy Wood. So here's the, uh, here's the problem. Um, the Baptist faith and message 2000 does not permit women pastors okay uh-oh and so in a surprise move a church in the sbc asked that rick warren's church would be would remove them from the sbc via their credentials the convention that they would be found 
because they're not a denomination. They don't have any yep. say over anyone else, but that they would be, I think the strongest word the Baptist can come up with is they are no longer in friendly cooperation. That's, I think, the, that's the, that's the extent of it. And Man, for people who, you know, sometimes Baptists are known to uh, be a bit of, you know, to be fighters a little bit, you know, to be uh, willing to fight. They're, you know, that's pretty, that's pretty yeah. tame. So, so uh, the long story short is their church was not removed. The credentials committee, here's a quote from them, has found little information evidencing the convention's beliefs regarding the title of pastor for staff positions with different responsibility than that of the lead pastor. So uh, instead, the committee has recommended creating a study group to Always. answer the, the question, Always. what is a pastor? So, um, <laughs> so it's a great, it's a great documentary that Restless would love to make. I would love to do interviews um, in a Matt Walsh style where I just ask what people, is a pastor? You just go and just ask. But so Rick Warren, I mean, this is, this is a fairly big move, right? I think this dude, or maybe it's been taken out. This dude was put in stained glass at one of the Southern Baptist seminaries. And there's someone trying is to remove true. Yeah, let me look this up for oh, you. Oh, that's, just... that's brutal. That is that is horrible. I think it was taken down, but um, let me just I want, Why? Why Why would they do that? I don't know. I don't know. If you, hey, if you still have that, by the way, if somebody's got that thing out there, we would love to have it. We would, um, we would love to start a restless collection. Look at this. Here it is. Did you somebody really... Yeah. Was somebody like, hey, we need to go back to stained glass. We need to get back to tradition. What should we put on it? <laughs> so, who in that Rick, meeting was like, I Dr. know just the Rick thing. Warren. So <laughs> so he stands up uh, to speak. And I don't want to say, I was going to say to defend himself, but you will learn in a second why that would not be a fair thing for me to say he's doing in this speech <laughs> from the floor. So here we go. Oop. Oh, there's my sound. Here we go. At uh, Southern California, Rick Warren, and we want to hear his heart for this convention. So, Rick, would you come? What I just, uh, can we, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We, 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 all, we can. We both we thought this. We can. Oh, you know, man, I'll let you, just, I'll let you go. We need to hear his heart for this <laughs> convention. Shout out to every moderator ever of the Presbyterian Church in America who does not call on people to the mic with with this kind of language. <laughs> the gentleman at mic one, that's more. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, oh. because he he gets he is sorry, sorry everybody. This is gonna. This is where the the giggling's good and. <laughs> The applause is already going. Yep, it and already like, starts. We're pre-applause. Also, how many of those are plants? <laughs> Come on, how many of those are plants? I mean, they're in the county where his church is. Like, this room. Oh, is just... that where this was? Yeah, oh yeah, this was Really? Oh, oh yeah. wow. So this could... Yeah. Rick, Rick is at microphone number three. I recognize you to speak. Thank you. You know, um, first, everybody, welcome to Orange was he County waiting? Southern Baptist of 149. I don't know. I don't know. What he, I don't know, but he's got. I just wonder if he was waiting till the till he was up on the 
screen because you know they have these big screens at these things and it takes a little while before it like you know pops over on them i wonder if he was i I don't know i couldn't see yeah listeners let us know if rick warren's glasses are just really are that in and that cool or if they're that just old man i can't actually tell (laughs) there's there's something in between but here we go so he is he's ready to go he's welcomed us to orange county southern baptist church is here 90 of them started by saddleback church I believe that was again the moderator saying, Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Ed Litton, shout out to you. <laughs> you know, it's customary um, for uh, a guy who's about to be hung to let him say his dying words. <laughs> I have no intention. Of defending myself all right so just to be clear so everyone knows <laughs> that's is not, not what this is <laughs> he will not be defending himself uh before this apparent hanging that began with rousing applause yeah. for you <laughs> to the and, and a wow from the moderator <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so so all right <laughs> This the, here, this is where the podcast starts it, falling apart. So call it is, friends, it's going to fall apart, everyone. Call your friends and tell them to start listening at about the like forty minutes left mark <laughs> for the real fun. I have taught my kids and grandkids for years. I am most like Christ when I refuse to defend myself. Amen. The Bible says Jesus spoke not a- again. Another another amen from the front of the from the oh man sorry this that's only like funny to presbyterians that like that that's just like allowed like oh yeah, yeah like, uh, <laughs> the guy at the mic is like choosing signs yeah like right people in presbyterians <laughs> like they make a huge deal of who the moderator is because it is a very powerful very important position but like even the most like and i'm sure there have been cases where this happened but right like in the PCA, when they were trying to choose, oh, we need, you know, there's all this consideration of who should be the moderator. Everyone knew the guy wasn't up there going to be going, yeah, amen to that. You know, oh, this guy's, this guy's awesome. I love, oh, oh, good. I I love when this guy talks. (laughs) No timer for him. No timer for him. But a word unto them when Pilate accused him of all kinds of things. So I have no intention. Uh, I have most of you on my mailing list anyway, and I can write you and tell you what I believe about the gift of pastoring as opposite from the office of pastoring. But I'm not here to talk about that. All right, so Pastor Michael, let's start there. Uh, If you're on Rick Warren's email list and he did send an email, actually, I would love, that would be a fascinating show. If he did write that email and send it out about the gift of pastoring and the office of pastoring, and he did write that, why don't you just go ahead and forward that on to us. So Pastor Michael, what do you think about this big distinction that um, Rick Warren is talking about, obviously, this is how we're, there are women who are pastors at his church who are pastors, but aren't pastors. And that is not a defense of what he's doing yeah, to be clear, he, but, but it is an important distinction. Apparently, is this a, is this a real distinction? Tell me about this. It's not, but like the only place I'm thinking that he could possibly go right to distinguish this. I, I just, I can't think of where he's going would be where we have, you know, and, you know, he gave to the church apostles and prophets, um, teachers and pastors or pastors and teachers. And like, you could try to take that as a, as a, like a gifts list. Uh, but that's really not what that is in 
uh, in Ephesians, I believe. I, you know, I don't know. I don't remember exactly uh, what chapter off the top of my head, but I could find it pretty quick. But uh, like, that's not a list of gifts. And, you know, one of the ways you see that, or, you know, sure, maybe it's a list with certain kinds of gifts involved. But when we talk about the apostles, when we talk about prophets, we're not, none of us are like, well, we're going to distinguish that, you know, um, but that's not probably true in a lot of SBC churches. Right. You know, uh, right. that's, you know, that's just a, a, that's a distinction that I think, you know, in our circles, we would just outright be like, well, yeah, obviously that's not the right way to interpret that. And as I think about this, but this is the alt, this is the argument for women's ordination. Right. Well, there are women with these gifts and you're exactly. saying exactly. And, and it always them. comes down to that, right? It does. It comes down to, um, here's how we've defined what a pastor does. And there are women who can do that just as well, if not better than some men. Right. So why and, can't they, right? And, why and, can't they be a part of it? And this consistent complementarian or biblical argument would be the Holy Spirit embody induce those who he wants to call to an office with the gifts for that office right yep. now that doesn't mean there aren't women with many gifts right look at the gift list in the in in the book and i and i think there are more spiritual gifts more gifts that build up the church than even what's listed right i'm not saying that women can't teach paul quite implores women to teach yep. in the book of first timothy but i am saying that if if the office of pastor is limited to men, as apparently uh, Rick Warren is saying. Then the gifts to make you able to do that office are also limited to it. So here's a thing you can shout out before we continue on with this glorious clip. Here we go. Patreon. Um, we we have a Patreon account. <laughs> this is, I don't know. That's right. Uh, as we and, just keep keep going later and later. Um, and this is, this is how it's going to be. And there are probably like 60 audio clips you could go listen to right now. There are, there. seriously, there's a lot of material um, that we put out there. So um, on our on our Patreon, um, you know, you can uh, join on various different levels. And we've been putting out a lot of different content. Um, and we have lots of plans for more. Um, this is the part of what we're doing with the Restless Podcast that Matt and I enjoy the most. That's right. And I think are probably the best at is not the social media engineering. Uh, it is the, we want to sit here and talk about what Rick Warren said. <laughs> so, so if you like that, there's a lot more like this, a lot of bonus content, uh, both, you know, uh, stuff dealing with Mark Driscoll, uh, but also more broadly, um, we deal with, you know, very Presbyterian issues at times. Um, for the, the purely Presbyterian um, tier of our, our Patreon. And we also add other kinds of bonus there once in a while. Maybe we have extra clips. Uh, maybe we have you know, some, some uh, extra things we want to react to that are a little bit outside of, of what we would otherwise be doing. So if you want out. to do that. Yep. And shout out to you, whoever is still listening. And have, as this podcast is over two hours long at this point. So yeah. here we go. Dr. Rick, stained glass man himself, carry on. Lunchtime, I wrote you a love letter, and I'd like for my possibly, likely, last convention to read it to you. Kay and I could have not built Saddleback Church to its size and influence 
in any other denomination. I love Southern Baptist. I am a fourth generation Southern Baptist pastor. My great grandfather was led to Christ by Charles Spurgeon and sent to America as a church planter. Saddleback was sponsored by the North American Mission Board. I served on the staff of the California State Convention and the Texas State Convention as a teenager. Billy Graham picked me up when I was 18 and for the next 52 years mentored me because I started at 16 years old, hired by the California Convention to preach youth revivals, and I had preached over 120 uh, harvest crusades before I was 20. So this great advertisement for, for SPC polity right now, my <laughs> friends. Also, um, still not a personal defense. No, <laughs> eight, dude, yeah, yeah, I'm just, I'm preaching like wild out here as an 18-year-old, like... Uh, okay. I was charged. picked up as a 16-year-old to start I'm on preaching. The board. I'm on, I'm <laughs> I'm on, on the, the board. board. So I'm not, dude. All right, all right. <laughs> weird, weird flex. SBC. I'm just. I don't know. Maybe it's just because it's late. But I'm. I'm willing to say I'll take our Presbyterian issues. You know, like that just. It just. I know, man. We could be sticks in the mud, and like we take a long time to do things. But man, I'll take it. This would be. This would be hard. Spoken like a guy who didn't preach 50 Harvest <laughs> Crusades before he was 20, being mentored by Billy Graham on the board <laughs> of the California Baptist, whatever. This is this is true. Billy I, this I will admit it. Skinny Californian and mentored me for the next 52 years. Here's my love letter to you. Because I really am grateful. If this is my last convention. Because of Southern Baptist, you're retiring. Like I, I, I mean, maybe he. I'm sure. I, I again, I know that anyone can kind of come to these, but you're retiring. I, I, I almost am certain. Quality. I was allowed to serve one church for life. That's not possible in most denominations. And get grew and grew it to become the largest church in this convention. Because Southern Baptist gave me a passion for evangelism and mission. We baptized 56,631 new believers. 56,000. Dude, California should be a religio Baptist state at this point. Oh man, you've got you've got Rick Warren, you've got Greg Laurie. Like what, what's going on out Dude, there? I don't know. Oh applause break. And as a Southern Baptist Church sent 26,869 members overseas to 197 nations. Because Southern Baptist taught me the value of a membership covenant, 78,157 members of our church signed our membership covenant after taking a four-hour membership class because Southern Baptist taught me to emphasize the priority of Bible study. We now have 9,173 home Bible studies in homes in 162 Southern California. Let me go on record and say, I have never heard Rick Warren speak in this tone before. Just, just so everybody knows, like uh, whatever's going on, whatever was going on, this really mattered that he got to yeah. like 
like really no, joking out. aside like yeah this was like very uh important to him um so for the cities because southern baptist taught me the value of church planting that i already mentioned we planted 90 in orange county alone and literally thousands around the world because southern baptist taught me to honor and love the local church i've had the privilege for 43 years of training 1.1 million pastors. The greatest meme that came from this was Moeller has trained his thousands and Rick Warren has trained his 10,000s. That's, <laughs> the that's awesome. Oh, I don't know who came up with that, but really great, really great work. <laughs> what is going on I, right well especially when you start with i will not make a personal defense not a personal defense just this is this is nothing to, is, this this is nothing to do with me <laughs> charlie self totally real person let me express my love for the southern baptist convention while i well i i i don't i i mean i think this is about as far as i got because when you said i have trained 1.1 million pastors was that also in a four-hour course? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, I had to, for a seminary class, I had to read Purpose Driven in Church. I'm like, am I now counted as right. one of these people that were Yeah, trained? I mean, that is the question. That is the like, question. Like, uh, what possible what do you mean? metric? Yes, what possible <laughs> metric did you use to, to count this? That, sorry, friends, that's more than all the seminaries put together. All right, so we're gonna vote on and on the up next we're gonna vote on the uh, funding for the seminaries this next year and <laughs> <laughs> the, those are totally unneeded. Yeah, uh, yeah, evidently we don't need these things anymore. We have Rick Warren. <laughs> I owe you all so much. So I sincerely oh. say thank you, Southern Baptist for shaping my life and in closing i want to ask you to consider a couple okay, sorry questions. i i do think it is a bit much that your thank you is thank you for the person i am today no it really it really sounds like one of those speeches where you're like you know man uh you know, I'm so grateful for you, for me, <laughs> you know, like, like I'm, I'm so grateful for you because I am the best thing that ever happened to you. <laughs> I'm hoping the last two minutes of this or something I will. Have you, meet. you've not watched this either. No, I, no, no. I, I got to the 1.1 million pastors. And and you the first like, time, I'm, out. I'm done. <laughs> it's just, I mean, this is like, we're at like, high school. Uh, he's a much smarter and better speaker than this, regardless of your opinion. To give like a high school valedictorian speech, like yeah. thanks, mom and dad, for making me who I am today. Like, well, that was I I don't know. So he's got and also, things. I mean, it is, it does not, you know, maybe times have just changed. And maybe like we talked about earlier, like the the industrial kind of model where like, yeah, all numbers is all that matters. Maybe it's just yep. because that's changed and that really is not a value amongst like a lot of people like us. But when I hear this, it doesn't sound good to right. say all of this. You know what I mean? Like to, to right. say I've trained 1.1 million pastors. You've trained more pastors than any person in human history. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it just, even if you did that, 
it just sounds weird to say, this is my last message to all of you. I train more pastors than all of your seminaries. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What are you doing? You know, he did not get an amen through the mic on that one. To be <laughs> fair to the guy up there, like, Ooh, oh my goodness, I was hoping you would uh, promote those a little more. You're never going to find another Baptist who agrees with you completely on everything. There are Baptist brothers here today who don't believe Jesus died for the whole world. Shout out to Calvinist Baptists who have just been <laughs> thrown into the blender. If oh you don't, my goodness. If you, if you don't like me, you know who you'll hate? Tom Askell running for president <laughs> at Calvinist Baptist. Oh my goodness. Albert Moeller. Gonna, <laughs> uh, let's not... What's a few women with the title pastor on staff at my church? When, <laughs> when you have Calvinists. When you have people holding to a doctrine that has existed for 500 years <laughs> in its current. But we imagine somehow get along with them. Somehow. So as Western culture grows more dark, more evil, more secular... We have to decide, are we going to treat each other as allies or adversaries? Mm. Second. So point number one was, we find a way to get along with Calvinists. Things are going to be really bad. Um, Let's not quibble over who should lead the church. Yep. That really, yep. (laughs) That's it. Um, And I'll go ahead. And again, like, I don't understand. Again, this is why we would love if you're still listening with about 13 minutes left, if you are a Baptist and can explain the SBC convention to me, I'd love to know why, how the the understanding of what the SBC convention is, because who leads the church is a communion issue, but I'm not actually sure that, that you that that is the understanding of what that convention is. Right. And so I, I, I don't even claim to know how to um, hold that, right, or, or criticize it or commend it or say whatever, because I don't understand how the convention works. Now, obviously, someone's going to say it says you can't have women pastors. Well, as it turns out, they're going to study that issue in a committee. So uh, <laughs> It depends what, on what you mean by pastor. Yeah. So. Yeah, what is is is, is <laughs> pastor. So so let's hear let's hear point number two. So I don't even know how to criticize that. So there's like a there is a Baptist out there just like, come on, like you were supposed to really hop on this. I mean, I've been laughing for 30 minutes at this, so you should be <laughs> you should feel you should feel fine. The year 2022. That means we are 2022 years from the birth of Christ. Now we know Christ started his ministry at 30 years of age. Luke tells us that had a three and a half year ministry. Pastor Michael, I will pay you a dollar the next time you I see you if you can tell me where this sentence is going because I have no idea. Uh, yeah, I don't you, know. This is, it's he's going to talk about the time, right? So it's been almost almost two thousand years since Christ rose, or something like that. I don't know. What does that mean? Where where is I don't the, know where he's going after that. What's the that's, payoff? That's as far as I can see. All right, no payoff, no dollar. Christ died in AD 33. He was resurrected in AD 33. 
He gave the Great Commission in AD 33. He sent the Holy Spirit and started the church in AD 33. If he was a more well-known dispensationalist, I would... Dude, it would be killer if this was an end of the world prediction coming at the end of this. That would, 20, that would be 23. awesome. That would be killer. Go out. What gonna... if he went out with it? You know, he goes oh, out with a mic. My last with thing. It. My <laughs> and as I'm saying, oh, this is when he's coming back. <laughs> J-Mac, where were you when we need you in that, that this be strain? Oh, man. Where were you? Oh. It's 2033. Just 11 years from today is the 2000th anniversary of the Great Commission. I hope one of you, because I won't be here next year, will make a resolution that Baptists take the next 10 years to finish the task of the Great Commission in our generation before the 2000th anniversary of the church. Are we going to keep bickering over secondary issues? Or are we going to keep the main thing the main thing? We need to finish the task, and that will make God smile. Thank you, everybody. I love you. We will make God smile in the next 10 years. Pastor Michael, yay, nay, or nuance, they can finish the Great Commission in the next 10 years. Um, if they... I mean, I'm not going to stop anybody who wants to try to evangelize the world. You know, God bless them. Um, I, I, you know, that's great. Um, I mean, I want you to actually evangelize the world, though. <laughs> you know, I mean, just to be clear, um, I don't want it to be like how you train 1.1 million pastors. Right. <laughs> so. Right. We're gonna, again, this is this is the weird. Um, I actually believe that um, Rick Warren is like the head of an organization called finish the task actually. So I, I, oddly enough, I think that may have ended on a bit of a promo <laughs> for an organization. It's a promo <laughs> video for his next thing. For the current <laughs> organization. Let me, let oh me my goodness. <laughs> let me, let me double check that. But oh. really quick. Um, oh man. That's if so, that's excellent. But that this is the, like, again, the problem is, is that, um, is is this is the yeah finishing the task movement yeah here you go pastor rick took um leadership of the the finish the task movement um so there you go you may not know rick warren was asked to become the leader of finishing the task movement so if you didn't know you probably knew by the end of that and so again this is where it's defined as let me just say on a basic level here's a problem with it is it's when people use this language, they're saying once we have a try uh, a church in every single people group. I mean, they used to say country, right? right? Yep. And I mean, it used to even say continent, but now yeah. we say people group, which is great. You know, it's a it's a helpful thing for people understanding mission strategy. But once there's a church there, that's the the Great Commission will be finished. Here's yeah. the actual problem with that. That actually isn't even what Matthew 28 says. So yep, you have to teach them to obey everything I commanded. Yes, right. So it might actually require you to quibble over a secondary issue to make God smile in the next 10 years. Yeah, no, like literally to fulfill the Great Commission, that's necessary. And so maybe it'd be a good idea to just, you know, start in start in Southern California. I don't know. Uh, like you've got 
you've got people in front of you pretty sure that are not currently obeying everything that God has commanded. Um, everything that is, you know, uh, it's like, this is the, the kind of the, the silliness of it. And this is what I meant by like, are you going to do it? Like you trained 1.1 million pastors, because what you're doing is you're just, Hey, we're just doing whatever we can to cook the books, right? Like we're like, I can stand up here and my promo is all these big numbers that I've done. And everybody in this room knows that tons of those numbers are not legitimate in any way, right? Like we, we know that somebody was stuffing that ballot box, right? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. we know that when you're talking about a disciple, you don't mean what we mean by disciple, right? Um, When you're talking about like somebody who, you know, professes faith, a convert, um, you don't mean the exact same thing that we do. And that's kind of where the problem lies. So um, yeah, it's, I think that this is uh, really the, the foolishness of it is that you just went out with this big hype. Um, you just went out like this is your final bit as like evidently the world's most amazing pastor that has ever lived. You've done more than any man has ever done for the kingdom of God. And you got Matthew 28. I don't know the verse <laughs> because I'm not the greatest man in the world. Uh, but you like you got the you got the great commission wrong. Yeah. You know, like that's that's pretty bad. That's like that's a pretty bad place to go out. It and, really is. And it's I need to go on a promo promo for what you're retiring to do, but like it, it is <laughs> also, yeah, how how self-aggrandizing, even just that point is it is just not good. It is not a, it is really not a good, good move. So maybe I'll have to call this episode restless Tim Keller and Rick Warren celebrate 150,000 downloads because I mean, all about the numbers right now here late. All about the numbers for us. So pastor Michael here with less than five minutes left, let me tell you some of the things we're going to have to leave on the table and probably have to do for our patrons sometime. Uh, actually, let me pull up the uh, let me pull up the screen so I can make people wish we were doing it right now. Had we not spent so much time doing it, so we have a clip from woke preacher clips, and I won't say who they're interviewing, but where uh, yes. one of the sentences included is "Last I checked, love your neighbor is part of the gospel." <laughs> who said it, and what will we say about it? Um, there's this tweet from the Gospel Coalition, which is about uh, was one of the first articles posted after Roe fell. Now isn't the time for the church to beat its chest in celebration of a victory of the culture war. This is a moment for us to step up in love. Relatedly, at the same time, Kevin DeYoung took the moment of Roe being overturned to write on not long, thank you, Kevin, for not writing a long article that I can read all of, about the plot of Star Wars. That's what he decided to do after Roe was overturned. And we were going to discuss how those things might be related. And this caused me to realize, I don't know if you know this, Pastor Michael, Kevin DeYoung no longer blogs at the Gospel Coalition. What? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh boy. Yeah. And this, so this, I think, is a bigger story than we had realized. So those were just a few of the things we are going to have to talk about for patrons to celebrate 150K. But with the last three minutes, we are going to take a few of the 
Twitter topics that were recommended to us and do these rapid fire. Lightning, lightning round. We're doing a lightning round. So here is number one. Are you prepared for the lightning round? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. I hope so. Let's just do it. Um, And so I, as we do the lightning round, just in case uh, we don't get to say goodbye before the timer runs out. Thank you for listening, everybody. This was awesome. Love doing it. We have to figure out how to do this as an actual live stream at some point, because that would be more fun, but we are behind the times. Yep. And we're going to listen to, as we do this lightning round, we are going to listen to the song, Pump It Up. So keep pumping up the ratings, the reviews. Yes, go leave a review. Leave leave a rating for us. This we need those numbers. Get those numbers up. We want to we want Rick Warren numbers, Ben. That's we want right. Rick Warren numbers. Come That's on. That's right. I personally have discipled more than 150,000 people myself <laughs> with this podcast. So Pastor Michael, here's your first uh rapid fire one. Speculate on the future of Christianity. Give me one wild speculation on the future of Christianity. One wild speculation. The church is going to grow to cover the earth like water covers the sea. The glory of God will through the church. Amen. That's an awesome one. I'm going to add on the field of dreams model of church planting is going to die. All right. Here's another one. All right. Issue number two. Intinction. Pastor Michael, what's the Absolutely first? not. Absolutely not. The one that dips his hand day. into the cup betrays Jesus. <laughs> oh, that is a good point. It is. That's Don't Judas be- is the one that practiced intinction. Let's just remember the only, that. The, the, oh, the, the only one to practice the OG intinker was <laughs> Judas. The no, old, there you OG intinker. Well, that's not a good look for that. All right, let's do another <laughs> communion issue since that one went so well. Quick. Cato communion. No, no, because oh, baptism what? and communion are not the same thing. And there no! are requirements for communion, like take, eat, like uh, proclaim, like discern. And they differ. The, the sacraments differ, differ and their requirements differ. That's All right. right. Next up, Pastor Michael, sermon length. How, how long should a sermon be? It depends on the context, meaning the people that you're speaking to, what are they capable of, and the context as far as what the scripture requires you to do in that moment, right? So whatever scripture text you pick, uh, but generally, I think probably 30 to 40 minutes is pretty good for people in our uh, place, both helping them to uh, you know, be able to listen to more and more and also, you know, not going so overboard that it's like, man, I'm sitting here for over an hour for a sermon. That's it's too long. And that's all the time we have for <laughs> thank you for joining the restless podcast. Pump it up. The hard rule is longer than a liberal loser and shorter than John MacArthur. Thank you, everybody. Good night. <laughs> <laughs>